Love Talk Radio. show recapping the Showtime triple header and the fights on ESPN Plus, which had some highlight real knockouts by Zapata and, and Boots Ennis. Uh, you know, minor upset. I don't even, you know, by the by the time the fight happened, that Bootsiev and James fight was actually pretty much even. It wasn't, you know, a, a huge spread either way when it was first posted. But um, my guy, Jamal James, from Minneapolis, unfortunately, did lose. Um, put up a good fight and whatnot, but yeah, Butayev, not Butiev, it's Butayev now. I remember uh, a little while ago they were saying Butiev. I guess it's Butayev. Um, anyway, so we'll definitely, you know, um, like I said, the ESPN, not just Zapata, but that Valdez Martinez is a good fight. Uh, that Sultan uh, Carabala, that was a good fight too. So. We're definitely going to get, um, you know, into that recap. Of course, we got a big fight weekend coming up live from Las Vegas. Bello Alvarez, a Caleb Plant fight on Showtime pay-per-view. Um, obviously, we're going to preview him for that a little bit minorly anyway um, when it comes to the undercard. Not much to talk about. There might be a sneaky fight or two. I don't think it's horrendous, but I wouldn't call it some kind of really solid undercard on paper. You know, we're going to let these fights play out. And then as far as news goes, we got some really good news um, that Devin Haney, even though Hearn and, 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 and Haney were, were not sure JoJo was going to uh, sign the contract, saying a variety of things, especially Eddie Hearn, uh, but it sounds like it's a done deal. Joseph Diaz Jr., otherwise known as JoJo, is going to fight Devin Haney, which I think is a really – it's actually the night before. That'd be right, December 4th. Yeah, the night before Gervonta. Oh, maybe that's on a Saturday. Maybe it's not the night before. I can't remember. Is Gervonta's the 6th and that's the 4th? I'm confused now. I will get the dates uh, correct. But that's good, man. If you look at the – you know, some of these fights – that we got, you know, you can't sit there and be like, oh, that one big fight at lightweight, right? But 
there is, I can name four fights now that are booked that have all top ten fighters in them. So that is a big step in the, the right direction. Um, obviously, um, Romero, Roley Romero, uh, got knocked off, taken off the pay-per-view card against Gervonta Davis. We'll talk about his, uh, his replacement and the reason why, you know, he was kicked off. Some people are, uh, completely against it, you know, that you should be, uh, you know, proving guilty before something like that happens. And to an extent, I think it ma- the, the, the subject, the topic matter, the category does matter in this when you're talking about potential, you know, sexual harassment, uh, sexual abuse. That's a lot. It's just different now. We're in a different time. And that stuff matters more than it did, to be honest with you. Um, I actually know, I actually went to school and knew a couple of I didn't know them all. I don't have friends with them. But hearing from a girl, but the alleged stuff that they were talking about, at least this first one, I know a couple of guys that did that. But it's like, wow, dude, really? Now, I said alleged because we don't know. And Roley has a message. We're going to give his side of it as far as not his side of it, but, you know, what he said. What he said he did talk about clearing his name. He understands. Yada, yada, yada. And some people say, you know, there's no way he should be on there, right? And it matters what investigation, you know, he's not facing charges right now. And it kind of matters what those charges are. It kind of matters if you're the A or B side too, right? Because uh, technically Gervonta is in some legal uh, issues ongoing right now. Different sort, but still. Um, anyway, we also have some current fight news. And, of course, we'll have our boxing Twitter segment where we uh, read the tweets of the week. We read some kind of funny or just mind-boggling fanboy tweets. And also, um, or tweets that you send in could be a variety of that. And also media members behaving as fanboys. we got to call those, those folks out too, right? Uh, but, yeah, there, it's a jam-packed show. Um, Really looking forward to this weekend. You know, the undisputed champion, I think that is important. I don't like to get too lost in the belts and whatnot. And we have seen how, you know, maybe somebody that doesn't even technically have a belt right now would be a better fight than Canelo. Maybe Plant gives him his best fight in years. Who knows? Uh, Plant definitely has the potential to. He has the boxing skills to give him some problems. I think a couple of main points, not to get into the prediction part of it, we'll predict it a little bit later, but, you know, if Canelo's going to do what he's been doing lately, and that's really just trying to walk somebody down and and taking some shots to get in there and land the bigger one, especially against Billy Joe Saunders, and Saunders had success. Callie Smith didn't really have success, but Saunders had some success. He won some rounds. Uh, I think we talked about this you know, back in May, that some folks had him up five to three, Billy Joe. I didn't see that at all. But I did think he won some rounds, and I, like I said, he had some success. But but he didn't really force him to cut off the ring ever, you know. And that is one missing ingredient. Like, we know he's more aggressive now. We know he's uh, more accurate, it seems, uh, a little quicker. 
He's worked on his game. He's improved. I'm talking about Canelo, of course. But we still haven't seen him face a guy that's going to be on the outside for most of the fight and have to cut, actually cut the ring off. And I really hope that, and I know people don't like, um, uh, you know, percentage-wise, people don't like outside boxers, right? Because they think, oh, they're spoiling the fight, they're running, they're afraid, and a variety of other things I could say, right? That's what they think. But, you know, one thing I'll say is it's very tiring to move the whole time. Um, and maybe Billy Joe Saunders just thought, well, I'm not, I can't move the whole time anyway, you know? And he does have reach. He has height, Caleb Plant. So could he try to establish the center of the ring? Even Mayweather, you know, even Mayweather did push. People kind of forget about this, but early in that fight, he pushed Canelo back to the point where he was on the rope. He was playing from the body to the head. It wasn't like he was just jabbing and moving. You know, now he did plenty of that. But um, he got his respect either way. And whether it's respect or a combination of respect and flustering somebody, I really think that plant has to be that whole outside. You know, some of the stuff Andre Ward was talking about, um, you know, even when you can hear him talking to you, and I'm not saying, oh, Ward gave him some suggestions, so he's going to win the fight off that. I'm saying, like, I really hope plant uses his length and height in the fact that he's, he's got good foot speed, he's got good hand speed, he's got a very solid jab, you know, he can throw lead rights or counter with it, and he can just, whether it's a jab or a straight-up pot shot that's clean, right, like a shot that everybody in the arena, including the judges, see. Now, you could make the argument if he's on the outside the whole time like Laura, he's going to lose the fight, and that's fair. That is fair. Um, but I think if Lara would have done a little more, he may have gotten a scorecard, you know. But were, were the two scorecards uh, 115, 113? Was that what it was? And then I think it was like a 9-3. to three. But I, I, I don't know. Because it's like trying to knock Canelo out. He, I don't think he'd be able to do that. So I don't know. You're kind of torn when you go against this, you know, this level of A-side that Canelo is, because you want to put on a good show, you want to do this, you want to do that. You want to stand your ground. You're going to have to get respect, but I think if you're going to stand your ground, that maybe it either comes right away, and then you move, or you, you, know, you slowly but surely get comfortable enough to, to stand your ground and make it back up. But I really think that him missing is going to be key. You gotta make Canelo flustered, frustrated, or just not look great. He's looked great for several fights now, and you gotta, like I said, you gotta make him cut off the actual ring. None of these guys. I mean, Kovalev. If you look at even the scorecards and that jab and some of the stuff he was doing, I think that Plant can replicate some of that. Now you could say, well, he got knocked out. That's that's fine. <laughs> Um, how many rounds did Danny Jacobs fight or win? I should say he fought 12, but how many did he win? You know, not that many, maybe three or something like that. Um, but he's not a guy that on the outside or in the middle of the ring is, is going to win a ton of fights that way. You know, he's a guy that, you know, inches forward and tries to knock you out and hurt you to the body and whatnot. Even though he can 
give you that amateur style. He did it against uh, Golovkin, and then he, you know, he, I guess he may have gotten confident with that and started pushing Golovkin back and hurting him to the body and whatnot. But yeah, that the hand speed, basically the stuff that you have, right? The height, the length, the hand speed, foot speed. Like I said, I'm kind of repeating myself here, but he's got to take full advantage of that. And we haven't seen a guy move all that much. Like you could even say, well, Trout, could he? replicate what Trout could do. Yeah, possibly, but remember, in our heads, we had a different um, respect and even a pedigree for um, Trout because he had just beaten Cotto. Now, you could say Cotto overtrained because, remember, he's in the mountains, and he did kind of not look himself that fight, but either way, coming off that victory, he outboxed him. There's just no way around it, you know? So you had more confidence in, like, he could do this for a good chunk of the fight, you know, um, because he had done it. We saw him do it against someone we really knew. Now, I'm not trying to take it any way from, you know, Truax or who's got a gee, you know, all that, but they're not Kodo. You know, they're just not Kodo. So um, <clears throat> I, it's interesting. I really – is Canelo – you know, there's that personal thing. It's personal this time. And, you know, the last fight – he kind of fought like it was personal a little bit, if we're, if we're being honest, because he was just coming at him, and he literally was just trying to load up on shots. And we don't, we didn't, I should say, I always see that out of Canelo. Canelo established his jab. He took his time before he was kind of worrying about gassing, because remember, he would, he would get tired. Now he'd find his second win, but there'd be lulls in the fight, and there's naturally lulls in the fight anyway. And a lot of times you got to get your second win, but... Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's uh, it's a really interesting fight, and I, and I think that through the first six rounds, I do think Plant, if he sticks to a game plan, can have success, similar to what Billy Joe Saunders did, similar to what Kovala did. Callum Smith, like I said, did didn't have really any success, but but still score enough, unlike Lara. And once again, we saw Lara in more accomplished fights, I guess you could say. You know, we all saw him get robbed by Paul Williams, like blah, blah, blah. So we saw Lara in some in-between fights, too, uh, Martyrosian, and, you know, before that. So I guess we should, uh, you know, taper some of that off. But um, we're going to get into this in not so long here. If this is your first time listening to the Rope Dope Radio Podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope radio You don't have to go to Blog Talk um, and in rope and download the show directly there. Listen to the browser if you don't want to. This year platform can be found on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spricker, really almost across the board. We're also part of the Grueling True Sports Podcast Network. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy about it, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. It's the best of live TV and on demand, no annual contract, no hidden fees. If you upgrade to the choice or ultimate packages, that gives you free three months of HBO Max, plus you enjoy regional sports networks with no additional fees. 
If you go up to the Premier Package, boxing fans, you get Showtime and HBO Max in bold already. It's already included. That's direct TV stream. Okay, so, like I said, we had some pretty, we had a good weekend. I thought we had a very good weekend. Like I said, some highlight reel knockouts and whatnot. Um, you know, I thought that um, Riviera, Rivera, um, I thought he looked good. I thought he looked pretty good. I, I, it was kind of like borderline performance, like decent at times, good at times, um, like a good outing for him. But it wasn't, it wasn't great. He even said that he could kind of work upon that. But, hey, it's another fight against a somewhat experienced guy. They're building them. So um, I don't know. I don't have a ton to say about that opening fight um, against Romero. I thought I thought it it was good, right? It didn't blow me away. Um, there, there's you know he's just got to keep improving. I think that's the biggest thing. Ennis really didn't give us much time to even break down what he was doing. <laughs> I mean, he came out super sharp with the jab. Like a minute in, he freaking through that chopping right hand, um, knocks him down. And then he, you know, Delorme actually caught him pretty good. But, um, you know, Boots came back with two right hooks. Um, you know, or, wait, yeah, he got caught with, did he get caught with two right hooks or was it just one? But either, I think it was one or two. But, um, you know, that straight left hand, Basically, almost every punch and his through, which is not many, it was a wrap. And I understand Delorme saying, you know, where he landed the punch. This is something we talk about throughout the year, throughout boxing, right, is, is sometimes the defender in that moment is moving his head and bending a certain way so the, the punch lands that way, or just moving in general so it's a moving target, which a lot of times it is, right? And so I I don't think Ennis went to go hit him where he actually hit him, like made it, like, I'm going to do this. You know, I think it just, it just kind of happens. And like, I get, like I said, I get it. I get that Delorme is trying to do this, but um, it is what it is. And (laughs) what he did to Lippinitz, what he did to Delorme, Boots, does Boots want, Bigger fights? Because he keeps doing this. He's not going to get them for a while. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I'm not, really, you know? Um, the the high-risk, low-reward stuff that, uh, you know, comes up in boxing as you're developing fighters and whatnot. And, uh, you know, the hardcore fight fan on Twitter, shoot, even Magic Johnson and some NBA players and, 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 and hip-hop dudes and a variety of people online do um, follow this this kid. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't know. I mean, like I said, there's not much to take from the fight. He didn't show a ton of weaknesses. He gets hit from time to time. We'll see if he tightens that up the higher he goes. But the explosiveness, the combination punching, when he's trying to knock you out, the versatility this dude has, he's a handful. He's a handful. Accurate hard puncher. This dude, Boots, Jaron Boots Ennis, or Jaron, Jaron. Jaron Boots Ennis, man. Philadelphia, you guys got yourself another one, that's for sure. This dude 
you know, it's just dynamite. And it'll be interesting to see based off of his, because he had that issue, you know, with this promoter, who's his actual promoter, where he got that sorted out. And now we'll see if, you know, maybe someone's willing to co-sign with somebody else, you know what I mean? Or, or I'd say sign a deal with Showtime, but I don't know if that would be, I don't know about that, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. Obviously, you know, siding with the BBC on this as far as not me siding, but, you know, if I'm a 147 or 54, I probably want to be involved with the BBC. And to an extent, he is because he's on Showtime, right? He's been on Showtime a lot now. So he's in that range, but he's going to have to make himself a mandatory more than like title shot. And that obviously comes down to rankings. So we'll see if those rankings start to work out, but you know, look at Crawford and the WBO. Well, Porter is technically the mandatory, so that won't be called for at least a year, right? Um, the IBF has a mandatory that they haven't 100% called to fight, but I'm assuming now with that Ugas stuff, unless Ugas drops his belt, um, if he goes through with these fights, then I'm thinking IBF is going to call their mandatory, so that means that they're good at calling mandatories. And they're good at enforcing them. Um, some of the rankings, eh, not so much. But you could say that about all sanctions. But my point is, it's going to be called before you can get it. Um, the WBC, the WBA is the WBA is all mixtured up in that issue with Ugas and whatnot. So, you know, on the surface not knowing that Spence was potentially going to be available in February, I was originally okay with what the WBA did there because they did take some guys that they have ranked and they're fighting off. And now Butayev, you know, he's a pretty good fighter. And that is a good fight for Ugas. And Stanonius is a good fight for Ugas. So on the surface when it happened, a lot of people found out about it after the fact and we're like, oh, what the hell? But I, I got to admit, and I said it then, that this is a good way to figure out just one belt since you had so many damn belts at, the, at that, especially at 147. But knowing that, you know, I, there, is, there was that technical rule, though, that, you know, of course, they make their own rules as they go sometimes. But as I pointed out last week, and Jake Donovan pointed out, uh, you know, in his article about it, that, they petitioned just to, to, to fight Spence, but they did it after it was called. So it's funky. It, it is funky. Like I said, a lot of times they say, hey, we're going to make a decision. And then they make a decision and you scratch your head. So sometimes the rules change. Sometimes they go by them. seems like they can always write up new ones or just go, well, look, this rule says right here. And that's part of the – of course, some rules have to be there because you have to have some sort of organized ruling, right? But, it, it, like I said, it kind of just is all over the place at times. Now, as far as Butayev um, and Jamal James, I had James doing pretty good early in the first, especially two rounds. Um, I had him win in the first round. I thought uh, uh, he landed a few nice right hands and, and, and went, to the, you know, went to the body and, and also was jabbing really well, something that he's – good at you know 
Um, he also started kind of landing that left hook to the head end body in the second round. Plenty of two-way action midway through it. And then you could see in that late second round, the last part of it, Butayev really started landing something meaningful. The third round was competitive. More jabs and left hooks by, by James. And I think he even threw like two or three uppercuts in a row that landed. So it was very competitive. Um, but, you know, Butayev responded with hard shots. And then down the stretch, once again, three or four just really hard shots. I think they were hooks, both to the head and body. So, And by the fourth round, you could kind of see that at times James, his legs were a little wobbly. Uh, you know, he had got, you know, he's on the ropes a little, little bit, and it started to, it started to look like the fight had turned all the way. To be honest with you, um, those leaping right or left hooks by uh, Butayev, he loves to to throw those and then get in close and work the body. Um, but yeah, that even in that fourth round, I mean, that last minute just. Several heavy shots, and I thought, man. And even in the fifth, you know, James was busier, but overall the better punches, especially body punches. There was a point deducted in that one, though, wasn't there? Was that the round that it was? I think it was. But even if, you know, James was busier in there, some people may give him that round because he was busier. It's just the heavier shots, man. That's what it was. And in the, the sixth round, came out with that jab, and it's more like a power jab at times. Those leaping right hooks, and then the left hook, and then you started to see James having some success, but not nearly enough. And uh, just, you know, wearing him down, wearing him down, going to the body, getting him on the ropes, and uh, still some back and forth within the rounds. James wasn't just getting demolished, but um, you could see in the ninth round, well, he did talk about how he, in the corner, I'm not saying he had a leg issue. I'm saying that you could see his legs weren't right anymore because he was getting hit and wobbly and all that. And he did say something about, I'm good, I'm good, but my legs are kind of like a little weak. Now, I don't think he was talking about an injury. He hasn't mentioned that. I didn't hear any quotes from uh, the press conference he had or anything saying that. Um, but I remember him saying that in the corner. And he was trying to pivot and trying to move behind the jab a little bit more, but it just didn't work. Um, it was kind of a flurry of, of a variety of punches in combination, and they just they called it. Now, some people think it was way too early. Of course, the fighter, you know, James said he you know, preferred to go out on his shield. He hadn't been down a bunch or anything like that. So I understand the, the folks that say, hey, that was, that was stopped way too early. You know, or at least early, maybe not way too early, but so I get that because we have seen people finish fights looking way hurt at the time. And on the flip side, you know, the success that he was having was limited more and more each round. He was starting to take heavy shots. Like I said, I saw his legs wobbling. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is. I don't like to get too caught up in that stuff um, because it's a difficult subject. You know, it's like the ref at that time does have a job to do. And I don't think it was the, you know, 
five worst stoppages of the year or something like that. I didn't see that. But did I see possibly an early stoppage? Sure. Yeah, I can say that. Um, we'll get into some other fights. I do want to bring in John here and get his take on this Showtime triple header, the ESPN Plus card. Um, and then, of course, preview and predictions for the big fight coming up to decide the undisputed uh, I almost said heavyweight, the undisputed uh, super middleweight. And since the four-belt era, what, there's only been like six of them? And there's never been one at super middleweight since the four-belt era, right? I believe so. Anyway, let's go ahead and bring in John, a great boxing mind, in, into the fold. What's going on, John? How you doing tonight, man? Hey, Chris. Uh, thanks for having me, as always. Enjoyed listening to your intro there and your discussion of last weekend and what's coming up and uh, looking forward to giving you my thoughts as well. Well, let's start with the main event. Um, The first handful of rounds, there was plenty of two-way action in the fight because anytime Jamal James win or lose, he's going to give you action. Um, But it it, it slowly started to kind of get away from him. And then it started to be more one-sided the the, the sp- there were more like little spurts of success than half for the round uh, for James at that point. Like I said, he didn't look too stable. What did you think of the performance by a guy that, you know, a lot of people just thought, well, he already lost. I mean, I saw that on boxing Twitter so much. He already lost the fight. Who is this guy? You know, this uh, Butayev. And it's like, well, you know, the guy has like 400 amateur fights. And uh, he did fight a guy who cheated. So, I mean, you know, this guy's got some experience and, you know, that experience in the World Series of Boxing, too, which obviously we've seen help other fighters. What do you think of the performance of both fighters? And, you know, is this Butayev now all of a sudden someone that they can push? Um, obviously, he's going to get a shot at Ugas or Stanonius or, or probably at least Stanonius if Ugas drops the belt. What do you think overall? Well, I, I, I give him I give him full credit for the win, and as you said, I think you know if we're going to have a consistent policy on PEDs, even though he, you know he initially lost that fight to Besputin, Besputin tested positive for PEDs. You know, if we're going to be consistent, how how can you fault Butaya for that? You know, he was fighting a guy that was on an illegal performance enhancer, went to a decision, so. I think that is a situation where you really can't hold it against them. So, so that's the way I treated it. So I was kind of trying to forget that. Well, you, you, you keep it in your mind because you saw the fight and as much as the PEDs yeah. matter, it's not, I, I think the decision, you know, to take the victory away from Besputin is right in that situation, but you don't know exact PED played in, in putting him over the top. So you still kind of keep the fight in your back of your mind, which I did. That's why I thought this was a close call. The odds makers had it real close. Then there was late money going in on Butayev. I myself picked James in a close call. I thought the fight was going somewhat like I expected, except for the fact that James was taking a little more punishment to the body than I expected. And as you had pointed out before the fight, Chris, and, and just pointed out, think about Jamal James is, He's a guy with boxing skills who doesn't have much power, 
but is willing to fight a lot of times. He He's not a guy that's just going to come in and use his height and reach and move around the ring all fight. And he didn't do that here. Now, I, I thought the difference was what you pointed out, which was important. I mean, I'm, and I'm saying here the difference from normal Jamal James fights, because to me, you know, Jamal James, in this era for who he's fought, he only had the one close loss to Ugas. He's a legit top 10 guy for me. I, I had always been advocating for him at the bottom fringe of the top 10 for transnational for a while. And, and he'd been in there some, and I thought that was appropriate for him. So, you know, it, it's a legit fight here while you got Butayev, a guy trying to knock on the door of the legit top 10 and James, a guy that has legitimately cracked in and the fight was very competitive. You know, James got off to a real good start doing as usual where he lands a lot of punches and he's active, but he just doesn't have that big pop. And that's what we saw there. Uh, and, you know, Besputin, excuse me, uh, Butayev probably knew that going in and, you know, wasn't really respecting James's power that much. But I thought the key, getting back to, again, what you had pointed out and I think was the key was, you know, when James started taking a lot of those body shots from Butayev, he did say in his corner, uh, you know, my legs, I got problem with my legs. And, and my interpretation of that was not leg injury. I don't think he was talking about it there. I thought he was talking about, like, weakness from taking the body punishment. So that was something against him. Exactly. But I do have a bit of a different – I do have a bit of a different take on a lot of it than a lot of people I saw immediately after the fight. But, frankly – not much different. You know, there's times I totally disagree with the commentators. And then there's times I got to defend them a little bit where I think the take's reasonable. And a lot of people who disagree are, are all over them. And I'm like, hold on a second. You know, that's not unreasonable. And what I'm looking at here is James did say his legs were bothering him. And you did see things start to go more Butayev's way, but they were going James way early and he was still in the fight. A lot of the rounds were still tight. At the time the fight was stopped, Steve Farhood, who's got to be one of the best unofficial scorers out there on all these broadcasts, I think everybody pretty much agrees with that. He only had James down by one point. I thought James was right there in the fight. The commentators have also said that James was winning the round, that the fight was stopped and before it was stopped. I agreed with that. I agreed with that. I, I thought that James, it looked to me, He's a very tough guy, and he's been, he's come through in a lot of tough competitive fights like DeMarco and some others. And I'm not saying Butai is not better than DeMarco. He is. But I thought he had really sucked it up and bit down on his mouthpiece there. And, you know, he was going to give it a go to the end, and he was winning that round to me. I thought the stoppage was just outrageous. I mean, I'm with you. I don't like to go too far with these things because – the refs, safety involved. And I think even people sometimes go too far with the judges. Like I think a little bit in this case, I mean, Farhood only had James down by one. Okay. So, you know, what, what, what did one, one judge had it even or, or James slightly ahead, but that wasn't that much off from Farhood. I, I thought Farhood's card was reasonable. So why I keep pointing that out is this fight was still up for grabs. Sure. It had gone Butayev's way a bit, but James is a tough guy who's never been stopped been fought through adversity before, never been, was not down in this fight, never really was in serious trouble. I mean, there was never a point before this where you're like, oh, this is, this thing's over. I mean, he, he took, he took a lot of hard body shots. Butayev found an answer there, kept working it to his credit because 
he could go to the body like that because he wasn't getting phased by James power because James is not a power puncher. James has a lack of power. That's really probably the main flaw in his game. But I thought the fight was still up for grabs. I did think the stoppage was terrible. And I, and I don't say that all the time. Uh, there's some like, like, for example, Herring and Stevenson, I thought that stoppage was fine. I don't say it too lightly, but to me, Herring was completely out of that fight, was never in it, was cut up badly, and was just taking shot after shot to the head. This was mainly Butaya's bang into the body. You know, I, I didn't. I know James's face was marked up some, but I didn't think during the course of the fight he landed a, a ton of effective head shots. I, I thought it was a vicious body attack. I give him credit for it, and it worked. It obviously weakened James. You heard him complaining in the corner. I attributed the what he said about the legs to the body shots, and that's where he was having the most trouble. But, but I thought he had bit down, and he was winning the round, and, and there was just – there was no logic to when that fight was stopped. Uh, there was no sequence. And I, I just thought it was a terrible stoppage. Who knows? Butayev might have still gone on to get the winner to stoppage. It's not something where I'm not giving him full credit for the win, so people understand that. I'm not going to, in that sense, go in and say, oh, you know, because of that stoppage, that wasn't legit. I think people often go too far with that. I mean, we have to give credence to the the referee's decisions, the judge's decisions, probably more than people are willing to. So I give Butaya full credit. I think he belongs in the top 10 now at the bottom part. And transnational, I was in agreement with that. He, he did get in there, and I think that that's fair and warranted because, to me, Jamal James is a legitimate contender-level guy. So I give Butaya credit for that performance. But I thought that the stoppage was garbage. Um Here's one thing in the fight that troubled me a little bit going in that, to me, I think kind of was the difference. You know, in, in, the, in the modern era, when people even get near contender level, and, they, and we all agree they start not fighting that much, uh, you know, a couple times a year max, you know, it, it kind of almost escapes us how old they get. You know, like I'm looking before the fight that James is 33. He, he doesn't seem 33. You know, he, he he feels like a young contender just breaking the top 10, but he's 33 and Butayev's 27. Now, that concerned me because, and I thought that was a big factor that wasn't discussed much. You know, that, that at, at a weight like 147 pounds, that's a significant difference. You know, I mean, James at 33, uh, even though it doesn't feel like he's been around that long. I think that was kind of some of the difference. You know, Butayev's 27. He's banging away at the He's body. taking his fair share yeah. of punishment, too, in these fights. Right. Yes. It's not like he's been a no-contact fighter. I mean, even his fight with DeLorme, there was a lot of shots exchanged. DeMarco, he's had quite a few like that. So you're right, Chris. So it's 33. He's taking shots. And I, I think that was a difference because – what I, what I hate to say, and again, full credit for the Wind of Butayev, a, a very good performance. He's a legit top 10 guy. But I, I like Jamal James, so I hate to say this, and I think the stoppage was not good, not correct. But with all that understood, I hate saying it, but, but at 33, taking that punishment, the punishment he's taken in some other fights, probably end of the road as being a contender. I mean, like, I don't think there'll be another run. And uh, that, that's where you almost fall more into the gatekeeper opponent level. And PBC, as you correctly pointed out, they got so many people at 147 he, and 154. He could easily get another big name, legit contender or up and coming, about to be a contender guy, but I don't think it's going to go well. 
uh, at the stage of the career that he's at. And he's a likable guy. He's always given a great effort. I kind of wished it would have ended in an even bigger fight for him. And, and I think that this was kind of the, the last hurrah. And that's why I hate to have seen it stop too, because even though he was taking a lot, I think this is probably sure. going to be end of the road for contendership. So I, I wish he could have gotten a, a little more of a chance because he was still in there fighting hard. That's a good point. Like being in and around a contender range is different than getting that big, big fight. And, you know, do we demote him to, to gatekeeper just yet? Uh, maybe it's premature, but uh, maybe not. Maybe you're making a great point, and we've seen this trend. Uh, well, it's not even a trend. It's historical context. It, it does make sense what you're saying. And I guess the, the, the positive thing for him is he's in a good weight class with a lot of fighters on that second tier, and he's with, with that, you know, with Al, and he's got a home – home court advantage, so to speak. So they know if yeah, they put Jamal James there, win or lose. So it does set up nicely, whereas some other fighters, maybe not in that realm, maybe they wouldn't even get that big up-and-coming fight unless it was going to be on short money or something or short notice or whatever. So, yeah, you make a lot of sense. What were you going to say, though? You were jumping in. I was just going to say, you make, a, you make a real good point. I mean, what he will have is – he, it's going to be a tough assignment, but yes, he, he could be fighting and, and 147 is deeper than any division in boxing. I'll argue that with anybody in terms of depth with, with quality right. guys who are, who are up 10 threats. So yeah, he could get a fight in Minneapolis in six months, maybe headlining against one of these up and comers. And, and for his sake, you'd hate to have, have it be somebody like Andis, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know. Not, right. But but, that's you know, boxing uh, for you, though, isn't it? That's how it comes. Right. It's unforgiving like that, but yeah, he, he could get, uh, or maybe like you said, they've already seemed to have this thing kind of set. But but who knows in boxing? Like you know, Spanionis is, is is on that level, knocking on the door. Um, you know, there's others. And look, you know, he's at 140 now, but it hasn't been much done lately. But I think it's going to come. I mean, uh, I think we'll be hearing more. There's so many guys in that area, you know, 140, 147. Like like Brandon Lee is going to have to get a breakout fight soon, and and he's he's so he's so big, looking for 140 pounds. I don't have any trouble looking at him going after welterweight money, um, you know, at 147 at, at some point soon. So yeah, guys like that, you know, that, those are those are those are tough assignments. Now, that, as we know, sometimes that's how you revive your career. And that's where boxing's rough because that's a tough way to have to do it. Uh, unlike other sports where you don't get hit. Uh, but yeah, it, it may be, I think James gets something like that. Uh, PPC. That's one thing, you know, Al Heyman does do there's pros and cons of it, but I kind of come to like it somewhat over the years because look, if the, if the fighters got the decision. If he wants to keep fighting or not. And what Al Heyman does that, you didn't used to see with other promotions is, and look, top rank still cuts people loose all the time. Al Heyman's going to give you the fights and a chance to keep getting paydays. I mean, legitimately, like if you want to keep right. fighting and you know, you've heard Angulo say that he, he loves Al Heyman. You know, <laughs> you heard him say that many yeah. times. I kept losing. And then he got that one upset win over Quillen. Uh, then he lost yep, again. Yep. But I mean, like he was, he was just very grateful. Like he, he wanted to keep fighting and getting paid and, 
anytime he would pick up those losses, you know, Al, Al Heyman kept answering the phone <laughs> and uh, putting them out there. Like I said, some people don't like that, but I, when I was younger following the sport, I didn't kind of like that. But then I, I saw, you know, what happens like when you need, you need that payday and you're in the, the, the fighter's shoes and you want to keep fighting and then all of a sudden, everybody that was with you, your management, your trainer, promoter, they, they don't want to take the right. calls anymore. Right. Uh, that, that was cruel. I mean, you used to see that, you know, you used to see that a lot. I hate saying it, but it's just the truth because it happened like, because they were Jersey guys. But, you know, I used to see, used to see the Dubas do that with a lot of fighters. You know, it was like all of a sudden the guy, like, like what, what they would do was like James picked up this loss and then in their minds, you know, they can't really do anything with them anymore. And it was He's had a good run. It's time to call, it's time to call it a day. We're we're worried about him. But I thought, well, but what about the fighter that's got a he's got a he's got to pay you know he's got bills to pay, he's got bills to pay and he doesn't he doesn't want to hang it up yet. It's his decision. Uh, kind of kind of a tough spot to be in. So I, I think it does come up when you talk about something like just happened to a James in this fight. Um, and we've seen top rank cutting a lot of guys lately. Yeah, I did have it five to three going into that last round in favor of uh, Butayev. As far as the stoppage, you know, I think that the way I saw this, I think I – because I have a bias towards James. I just fully admit it. So maybe I was like, well, I think it's an early stoppage, but it's not that bad and stuff like that. So maybe I'm not the best person to comment on this to get just a straight up, you know, because – this is where feelings come in, like, oh, you know, maybe if he would have taken more damage, he wouldn't, you know, have had a, been able to finish his career with a handful of more fights or whatever. So I think I'm a little biased. It kind of messes with my head as far as, uh, you know, what I think of the stoppage. Because I also don't – I think I'm holding myself back from going over the top and saying that's the worst stoppage ever just because it happened to a, a hometown dude. You know what I mean? I don't want to be like that either. So I think I'm kind of all over the place. It was early. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, but I didn't have like a crazy problem with it. But then the way you explained it, and especially if this is one of his last big, big opportunities, yeah, you're right. I mean, to go down the stretch like that and, and to be in the fight, because he definitely was in the fight. Like I said, I had it 5-3. Uh, one of the judge ha- judges had it uh, a little closer, I think. Um, so yeah. it is what it is, and, and I think he will. You know, it sounds like he's going to bounce back. Uh, we'll see if he actually bounces back or not, but he's definitely going to fight on. There was a, I couldn't attend it, but there was a press conference here locally because the circle of discipline, the gym – that he trains out of and does a lot of community work out of. Um, they actually got a new space and it's a better space and all that. I wasn't able to get down there and see it, but uh, just seeing the pictures and, and noticing it, how it compared to the last place. So I'm really happy there, but he did announce that he's, uh, he's going to keep fighting and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, he gave his credit to his opponent. He was the better man and whatnot. And then they also said David Morrell Jr. is going to fight in December too. It sounds like December 18th. I'm assuming at the armories, so that's that's something that was talked about last night. Okay, let's talk. Let's kind of combo up the opening bout, um, and then obviously Boutenis too for the showtime as we wrap it up. What did you think of those two fights? Well, I, I became, I've become real interested in Rivera in recent fights because he looks like the real deal. So, um, 
I was watching the top ranked card at the same time, but but I, I missed that good brawl because I I was just focused on the Rivera fight. So I think I I could definitely comment on that because uh, I was real interested in this guy and and for what kind of fight it was, I, I was very focused on it and he dominated the fight, won every round, uh, no problem. You know, looked good with what he was doing, and I I feel like I I was definitely on to something with this. You know, I, I said that. This Romero guy was just in to survive against Isak Cruz, and he, he didn't take really enough heat for that. They were, people were were making like that was a more competitive fight than it was. And, and the guy did the same exact thing with Rivera. Like he, he doesn't he doesn't do anything. He's in survival mode, and then he gets to like the last fifteen twenty seconds of the round, and and he fires a bunch of soft shots, pretending pretending he's still in it doing something but the guy's not a puncher and he he doesn't he doesn't enter any round with any kind of effort or plan to win the round so uh, guys like that always bother me in boxing in other words guys who can't punch and you see him in a tough fight and you see him doing nothing to win rounds because it's like hey you you can't punch you're not knocking anybody out never mind one of the better opponents you've ever faced what are you doing to try to, you know, win six rounds in this fight so you win the fight? And and the answer is nothing with these guys. So I, I, I did see one tweet uh, shortly after that, which I thought was funny because it was at a minority, but it, I thought it was a good analysis. It said, you know, please, no more Romero <laughs> after that fight. So right. why I'm saying that is I'm giving, a, I'm giving Rivera not a pass, I mean, I think that's why he didn't get the knockout. You know, you, you got one of these survival guys in there, and and fighters sometimes then they don't want to get too reckless. They want not all of them, but they they want to kind of do what they're supposed to and what they they've trained. And you know, I think that's where Rivera made a mistake here. I actually heard your take on. It. I actually better than that than even you thought. Even though he didn't get the KO, but I was disappointed that I, I thought there was opportunities there with this guy. He's not a threat. He's not a puncher. He's not in to win. You, you got to really just press a guy like that and, and, and get him out of there, help him, help him out the door. You know, when, when guys like that are giving you the opening and they're not doing that much, you, you got to help them out the door. And Rivera didn't do that. I pointing, especially because I think he's got the power to do it. I mean, he knocked out John Fernandez, who is a, you know, 20 times better fighter than this Romero guy, but, you know, he comes to try to win. Uh, and but he's got some pop too, so Rivera had to deal with that, and he knocked out John Fernandez. So that, that's what I mean. Like I just, I just think Rivera should have had an awareness of of what he was in with, especially after if if they talked about or he watched the tape of this guy fighting Cruz, and and just should just should have stepped on the gas with this guy and got him out of there. So um, that that was disappointing, and, and that's one. I'll, I'll add one one point there because I talked about where I felt like there was some good commentary in that fight. I thought there was some awful commentary. I mean, the, the you know, they, they were saying, you know, Morris Bernstein and, uh, you know, Mora were saying if this, if this guy Romero would just get back down to 130 pounds, you know, it'd all be, it'd all be okay. And I, I was like, I don't care if this guy cuts weight down to 122 pounds, you know, it's not going to be okay. This guy was, this guy was not getting dominated by, you know, Michelle Rivera because he, 
was fighting at 135 pounds instead of 130 pounds. He's getting dominated because he, he goes into survival mode against difficult opponents that he can't punch. So uh, that's not going to change at 130 pounds. So I thought that that was, that was silly, but that was my take on that. Now, Ennis, I think it is a good segue because what you saw with Boots Ennis was now he's, he was even in the equivalent of being in with a tougher guy in Thomas DeLorme, a much tougher guy uh, than Rivera was. And you saw Ennis come out and, and the, and just, you know, obliterate DeLorme with, with accurate power punching. You know, DeLorme doesn't take the best shot, but he's tough. And he survived knockdowns in other fights to have very competitive fights, including with Ugas, uh, you know, Jesse Vargas. Now, they're not as – the punchers like Ennis is, so that, that's where you get some difference. But Ennis was very accurate. DeLorme couldn't take his power because DeLorme has proven to be a tough guy, and he's got some skills. He's, he's no chump. And great performance by Ennis. But, but what I loved about Ennis is it does fit with what, like you saw Rivera not do against Romero. Now, DeLorme wasn't going to be in for, for survival mode like Romero, the guy fighting Rivera. But, but still, you saw Ennis come, coming right out, you know, looking to make a statement. And like you mentioned correctly, I thought a lot of – you didn't, but a lot of other people I thought made too big a deal out of it. Okay, so DeLorme hit him with a shot. That's because – you know, Ennis is thinking correctly. Delorme's not that big of a puncher. I'm going to make a statement here and get this guy out of there. Like, in other words, I, I'm not. I don't think Jerron Ennis has any kind of uh, defensive deficiencies or anything like that. I thought people were silly talking about that the next day. All you have to do is I've seen fight enough. He was just making a statement to get the guy out of there, and he he did it very successfully. Like. You said, you know, it was a highlight, highlight reel type KO. And all fighters have learned in, in all years following boxing will ultimately have some deficiencies uh, with fighting good enough opposition and then long enough time goes by. But with that said, I don't think now Ennis has shown any. I, I, I didn't, I wasn't worried about him getting hit with that one shot by DeLorme. I just thought he was going for a state of KO. My worry a few nights ago, it, was, it looked to me like he got a little bit inaccurate at times, but but I'm with you. What you said earlier, you look at the Lipinets fight and you look at this DeLorme fight, the two best guys he's fought, and I'm not seeing the accuracy problems. I mean, he he's 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 now pinpointing the shots, too, because he's got the power, he's got the speed, he's got the boxing skill. So there will ultimately be some deficiencies, but he, he's not showing them right now. And it's going to be hard for him to get people to fight him, like people are saying. I myself don't necessarily, like, I, as you know, I just don't take the alphabet seriously. I think even people overrate the mandatory stuff, especially with all the boxing politics involved and how they deal with certain promoters. I mean, look, fighters aren't going to, aren't going to take a fight with a guy if it's not worth their while, as tough as that is. But, but money still always talks. So what I'm saying is even if you were talking about some belt, if the money's not there, they're not going to fight Ennis. It, it comes down to, you know, it comes down to the money. I mean, if, uh, and, and that's where I think you made a good point too. And people are discussing, I think correctly. I mean, even Keith Eidick said it and, you know, he writes for boxing scene, which, you know, CBS and Showtime own. So, you know, there, there's some insight, there's some insight there. He said it straight out. Uh, and, and I would think he probably does know some stuff 
you know, they, they like Ennis, but if Ennis is not going to sign with Al, and look, they all do this, so this is not unusual, but, you know, if Ennis is not going to sign with Al Heyman, you know, they're not going to give him every, you know, they're not going to give him everybody. And you can understand that. I mean, how much money are they going to put into it the way the boxing world works if they don't have any commitment from Ennis? Um, so it might come down to that. In other words, you know, is he, is he gonna, is he gonna sign with Al Heyman and, 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 you know, PBC and, and like full time, so to speak, then, then that money might become available if they want to make him a star with the kind of abilities he's got. But if he doesn't, and I don't know what I don't know what fights he's going to get. It's it's going to probably be more the the type of stuff we've been seeing. Yeah, I mean, you know, we can all agree that that's what sucks. Uh, you know, that's one of the items out of multiple <laughs> items that does suck about boxing, but it's reality. So a lot of people right. like to kick rocks and all that, and, and you know, whatever. But you can kick rocks all you want, but this is just reality. So. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And now it's not like he'd be signing with another promoter. I know that, you know, even in that court trial with Golden Boy and uh, the PBC, he was labeled as a packager. And I think that because he does package all this stuff together for his clients. So technically, by law, he's not a promoter, right? But right. the reason yeah. why I bring this up is because he's not going to take promoter money out of your cut along with the ne- another manager, you know what I mean? So at least right. they'd be signing up, you know, a- as a pretty good deal consi- rather than having to co-promote, which takes even more money out of the pocket. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, obviously it's helpful that we now know who represents him. And now moving forward, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see where the, where this all, all goes because, you know, at the same time, should Ennis tie this wheel to you know something that it may take them a while to get fights, big fights anyway. I mean, they're they're that's kind of all over the place when it comes to that. So um, we'll definitely see, but we it's hard not to keep an eye on them. That's for sure. Um, moving over to the and by the way, five oh eight. We're right in the middle of a segment. Definitely want to go to you and get your thoughts. Just just giving you a heads up. Um, so if you got some time, I'll definitely go to you. Just just. Uh, Maybe you're just listening to, but it looks like you pressed one. So 508, just so you know. Um, now, moving over to the ESPN Plus, Jose Zapata and Josue Vargas. Um, I mean, there isn't much to talk about this round by round, obviously, right? Um, that freaking, that left hand just starts Vargas. I mean, he almost kind of, was trying to, he was almost out of the ring a little bit, trying to get up. He was definitely hurt, you know, the flurries, TKO. I mean, this is probably the best case scenario for Zapata to get this win. I mean, you still don't know if, if how much is taken out of him because he didn't fight a bunch of rounds. So in this particular thing, to have a full camp, to have a quick knockout, and to stay fresh, it's probably the best outcome he could have. Yeah, yeah, see, I agree with you 100%, Chris. And the boxing, the boxing historian in me even even reached back for example, um, because you know I, you and I both agree went Zapata, but I had concerned he might be done. Um, but he landed the exact bomb, basically that that he did 
in the final knockdown with Branchick when he took him out, I mean, just about the exact same type of shot, and it had it had a very similar effect. Now, what I was saying about the boxing historian in me, I think you made an excellent point that I didn't see anybody else make, but I think you're absolutely right. I was thinking about that the next morning, as happy as I was for Zapata, just because you know, he gave us a fight of the year, and he, he seems like a good guy, nothing against Vargas, but just uh, you know, that part I was happy for him. But I was thinking about, like, remember Matthew Saad Muhammad when, you know, Dwight Muhammad Kawi was then Dwight Braxton. He t- you know, his kind of, I don't want to say luck because it was his heart, but you know what I mean? Like, he had kept making those amazing comebacks. And in the first fight with Braxton, you know, the Camden buzzsaw, he was, he was too much for him. And he gave him a brutal beating, won by KO. Now, Pete McIntyre had been a streaking light heavy at the time who had just broken into the legit top 10. Matthew Saad Muhammad fought him after the first Braxton fight. And, you know, Saad was a huge puncher. He landed a right-hand bomb in the first round and took out Pete McIntyre. And everybody was like, Saad's back. You know, he's he's still ready to go. Well, he had the rematch with Dwight Braxton the next fight, and the same exact thing happened to him even earlier when he took a horrible beating. So, you know, you land the one bomb. Sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean you're all the way back. It just means you landed a, you had enough and you, you landed one bomb. So we, you're right. I mean, with Zepeda, we don't know. It, it, it could mean his demise was greatly exaggerated uh, after the Grand Check War when he fought Lundy and didn't look good. Uh, or it, it could just be he landed a bomb. And, and very early in the first round, and he's not going to do that every time. And, you know, it might not happen the next fight, and he, he might show more wear and tear. But you made another excellent point that couldn't have worked out any better for him because, of course, it's a first-round knockout. But we know he took punishment against Branchek no matter how much he's got left. So for him to get a big win like that uh, in, a, in a national platform, in the first round, a highlight real KO and not take any damage, yes, couldn't 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 have worked out any better for Jose Chan Zapata. So huge win for him. And it really puts him right there at the top of the 140 pound division, which, you know, you got Josh Taylor, the legitimate champ. You got pro pro gray, but is pro Ray going to make that weight anymore? I, I don't think he is. So, it, you know, Zapata's right there. Uh, you know, he's already had a close loss to Ramirez, but in that weight class, and he's he's in position for a really good fight next. It's interesting you bring up Progray there because he did release that video that said this is the first time, and, it, and it's kind of a head scratcher that it took him this long to do this, considering he's made some pretty good money uh, in, in the World Boxing Super Series and everything. But he now has a nutritionist, and he actually went through like a mini camp of it saying, all right, I want to try to hit these goal weights and all that in a, in not a short amount of time, but maybe not a full camp or whatever. And he went through the whole process and eat, you know, ate right, did all this other modern uh, sports medicine stuff. Um, and he said he made the weight. It's funny because when you're watching the video, you can see he's definitely like thinned out in his face majorly. And you can tell that he, he got damn close. Maybe he made the weight. I don't know, but he uh, he came damn close to it just because he looked fairly skinny, like you do when you weigh in at your weight. But 
So he said, because he was a little worried about making 140, he said, I don't know if I can do it now. And so he said it for the first time, I don't know if he was just stubborn or didn't think, you know, he'd be able to make it or, you know, he, he thought he could be able to make it. Now he's, you know, had some issues lately. So he uh, he, he now says he can still make 140, but it, it won't be long until he's at 147 either way. And some of these guys at 140 will just kind of come up like you mentioned, not here, but even earlier in the show and in previous shows about the fact that there's just more money opportunity at that weight potentially too. Um the other uh, couple of fights, uh, the Pablo Valdez and Martinez fight um, was definitely a, a fun fight. Same with uh, the uh, Salting and Ca- Caraballo fight. That fight was freaking fun to watch, too. Um, I had uh, Saltine, or Saltin, uh win the first couple of rounds. Um, he was just landing the better shots. He obviously had, like, uh, he also scored a knockdown early, too. He had some hooks to the body and head. Um, you know, Caraballo had some good moments, though. You know, in that, um, even in that second round, the third round was just wild because um, in an exchange, there was a right hand that scored a knockdown early. Like, I think it was, like, 30, 35 seconds in to the round and then um later there was a like a left hook i think it was a straight left and a left hook uh by caraballo he closed much stronger it was basically right at the bell it was ruled a knockdown but it really it was really funky because yes the glove touched no doubt but when you look back at it Two things. There was a trip, one, and two, it was like a push punch to the back of the head from somebody that was a little turned, a little awkward area. So it shouldn't have been a knockdown. So you couldn't really do it. You know, if you're an official judge, you have to do the 10-point must system. So do you do 10-9 there? Do you do 9-8? You know, there's always, like when you're at home scoring, that could have been a 9-8 round. Maybe that tied it for you, but if you're in Las Vegas or in a battle, let's say, and you had a replay, you wouldn't have counted that for him. But I'll say this, Caraballo really put some rounds together after that. I thought he did really good in the fourth round. Uh, left hands in the body, in the head, whether it's, like I said, straight or hook, he was definitely landing, uh, you know, landing a lot. I thought he won the fifth as well. It was a very competitive round. Uh, but then I thought Sultine really took over the, the sixth um, I had him win the sixth, seventh, eighth, or wait, ninth and tenth. The eighth, I definitely probably like eight or nine hard left hands to close that eighth round by Car- Caraballo. That was just a fun ass fight. There was more knockdowns in the you know in the sixth. There was a knockdown. Um, I had it about six to four or five to five. I did have uh, Sultan, you know, winning. Um, all three scorecards had it 94-93, which a lot of people were kind of scratching their heads because, like, you scored three knockdowns. How could it be that? Um, even if you had it 5-5, five to five, it wouldn't be that math. So that was a little funky. But, hey, at least the right guy did win. That was a back-and-forth war. And then in the sixth rounder between uh, Pablo Valdez and Martinez, I actually, I had it about 3-3, three three, maybe 3-2-1. Three, but I thought the way the fight was going early – I kind of thought Martinez was going to win this fight. 
Uh, first round was really competitive, close-ass fight. You could see Veldez was kind of uh, trying to load up on his shots early, and I thought that was a minor mistake. But he did bounce back in the second and third, landed right hands really hard, especially in an exchange, I think, early in that uh, third round. A lot of exchanges back and forth in this one. Um, it seemed like Martinez, even in the second round, got the better of it. But then Valdez made up for it and, um, you know, landed more flush shots. I gave Martinez the fourth, the left hand to the body, and the right hand, um, whether it was to the head or body, was landed really hard. Uh, and there was this moment where Martinez kind of hurt his ankle or leg or something, and it, it did seem legit. It definitely it seemed like he bent it weird. But they put this stool out for him to see if he wanted to, to continue. And that was a little different for me. You don't necessarily see them putting a stool out for you. And, like, maybe you, they'd have you stand up and test it. But that was kind of like, huh, so you're just going to sit on a stool? You already, you know, I don't know. It's kind of a little weird thing. But um, either way, he did, you know, he did um, get back up and fight and land in some good shots. The fifth round was really competitive. Maybe you could give that to Martinez. Um, and in the sixth round, back and forth round, early and late in the round, both landed good shots, throwing right hands apiece, throwing left hooks both as well. Uh, a late, I don't know, probably a late. Um, Valdez is kind of holding at times, but he did have a, a late flurry, so I gave him that round. But that was a really competitive fight. Um, and someone had it a draw, 57-57, and the other two had it 59-55 for Valdez, and I thought, uh, that's pretty wide. I would, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know about those scorecards, but did you get a chance to see either of those fights? I know that you said you're watching one of them, uh, watching that Showtime yeah. opener and missed one of these. Yeah, unfortunately, I was, I, I had it on, but I was focused on that Showtime opener, and I, I did miss those. I'm going to, I'm going to watch the Carabao and the Sultan on the uh, app but I haven't done that yet. So uh, usually I like seeing them all live, and I had it on, but I got focused on Rivera. Arguably, with what happened, I got focused on the wrong fight, but I, I, didn't, I didn't catch, didn't get aware of what I was missing. Usually I'm going back and forth, and I, just, I was just trying to evaluate Rivera and got focused. So I, I've got I've to get back to those. I did, see, I did see the whole, I didn't think I was going to, but then I did end up seeing most of the British card earlier in the day, uh, except for the, the main event, um, but uh, not too much to not too much to speak. You know, Craig Richards does look like he has something. Um, took him a little while to get get rid of his opponent, but when he did open up with the power, it looked pretty good. He's a pretty good sized light heavyweight, so that was the only thing that really stuck in my mind there. But I, uh, the top rank stuff before Zapata, I do have to uh, catch up on a little bit of that, which is not usually the case. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. And 508, just keep hanging on. I definitely want to give your take here. Let's get into preview and predicting this Canelo Alvarez, Caleb Plant fight for the undisputed um, at 168. Um, I was talking about it earlier in the show that, you know, um, usually anyway, I think they said there was only six of them in the four belt era because it's hard to get all the belts together. Because you can create lineals without having anything to do 
with a WBO or a WBA or whatever the case right. may be. So, to, I don't know. It's it's kind of a strange thing because you think, man, these are this is a big deal happening the last few years that we've gotten these right, and even in this in the individual year that we've gotten to have these undisputeds. And uh, so on one hand, you're like, this is great. I mean, if there's only been six, and now we've had multiple, you know, so that's a good sign. Uh, but in the same breath, sometimes it doesn't create lineal. Maybe David Benavides, who doesn't even have a belt right now, maybe the, the toughest fight for him. Who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll see. What are your thoughts, especially, I'd say, in the first half of the fight? Plant does have um, a few fights that he did fade in the second half. Um, but I, I really want to focus in. You can focus in on whatever parts of the fight you want. But I'm really focused in on that first four to six rounds and how many rounds and how much success can Caleb Plant have. Um, and one thing I, I'm kind of stressing is I kind of want to see – I know Plant at times has to stand his ground. Um, maybe he could back up Canelo the way uh, – Floyd did early in that fight. People kind of forget that part. But actually with, you know, Plant's reach, height, and skill set, and how he's, you know, unlike, you know, Billy Joe Saunders, how he's maintained being in shape this whole time, and he's more of a natural big 168-pounder rather than, you know, some of these other guys maybe he fought recently. I mean, Kelly Smith is a huge 168, but he really didn't do much in the fight. I kind of want to see plant actually force Canelo to actually cut the ring off, not just move a little bit, not to actually use your jab, counter with the right hand, lead with the right hand. You know, you got to stay active. I don't, I, I'm not trying to say within the fight like Arislandi Lara, because I think if he was a little more active, he would have won a couple more rounds or at least another round. And maybe there would have been some tied scorecards in there. Um, I don't think he took advantage of him being on the outside like he should have. That said, though, Canelo wasn't able to cut the ring off, and he wasn't able to land a bunch of power shots either. That was kind of an in-between fight for me where I'm like, I don't, I don't think uh, Lara did enough, but it's not like Canelo did a lot. Um, whereas the fight like with Trout, which is more action-packed, more power shots, and there was a knockdown, yada, yada, yada. But I kind of want to see him force him to cut the ring off because, you know, Kovalev has been on the outside, won some rounds. If you go look at those scorecards, Danny Jacobs a little bit, but it's been a while since they forced him to cut the ring off. And I wonder also, John, is Canelo going to come out like he's come out these last couple of fights, whether it's Callum Smith or Billy Joe, and not really look to win the rounds, but, you know, land the power shots and kind of overwhelm them and wear down his opponent. Yeah, I mean, for me, this fight, it's kind of interesting. I, I do want to get into the setting of it a little bit because it matters to me. This is this, this fight's kind of a unique case for me in, 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 a, in a lot of different areas. I mean, you pointed out what, what they decided to go with on the marketing angle, which is, you know, we're, we're going to, talk about 168-pound class, which is just a class created by the alphabets, and we're going to talk about, you know, this is undisputed in the four-belt four era. But in fairness, and, you know, you correctly pointed out, you talk about lineal, which I think is what matters, but 
I, I have to say, again, if you're recognizing a 168-pound weight class, transna- this is number one and two fighting for transnational. And the ring is already recognizing Canelo as the champ. They had, they had recognized Callum Smith uh, when transnational didn't. So what I'm saying is there, this is a situation where as far as the 168-pound weight division goes, there's, there's, nobody that's, there's nobody out there who isn't recognizing this as for the title. So, but we, we have to, I think, kind of admit, you know, with, with Canelo as a minus 1,000 favorite, it doesn't really have that feel, does it? And I think the answer is, is no. Right. I, I mean, I'm in that type of significance. And what I, I think this is a good opportunity to point it out because, to me, this fight really is Exhibit A, even though I think both guys, of course, Canelo is an arguably great fighter already. He is great. He's going to go down you know, in history, of course. And, and Plant has really convinced me of his talent, so I like him as a lot as a fighter too. But, but getting back to it, I'm kind of looking at over, doing the overview of the significance. If there was only eight or nine weight classes, like, and these guys were both fighting as light heavyweights, which is, which is the way, to me, it should be. You would have better fights. You don't need all these weight classes. And I still break it down that way, though, because then it always, to me, then starts reflecting the odds more, the realities. Like, in other words, if there was only eight or nine weight classes, they'd both be light heavyweights. Canelo would either be like the number one contender. Let's face it, he's already knocked out Kovalev. We can look at who he's beaten at 168, but he also has knocked out Kovalev. Or maybe by now he would have even beaten Beater Biev and be the champ. But at worst, you, you would say he'd be number one. Plant would be what? I, I think you could say he might just be in the top ten, maybe ten. So, you know, I mean, I don't say that just because he beat who's caught the guy, but I'm just assuming if maybe he'd fought a little more people with his abilities. But that, to me, kind of reflects the odds and competitively kind of what the fight is. Like Canelo being a champ or maybe the number one contender fighting a guy who's maybe number 10 or, a, or a, more of almost a prospect guy threatening to break the top 10. That, that's what we've got. But there's another part of the significance of the fight that I've always liked, which is always why I did want to see this fight, is I've liked it, and you know, I've tweeted about this, been saying it for a long time, was why I wanted to see it happen. To me, this fight has a lot of significance for American boxing because, and that's to me kind of where the real significance comes from. Because, of course, Canelo, Mexican, obviously extremely popular in Mexico, but he fights all his fights in the U.S., spends a lot of time in the U.S., San Diego area, I guess, is where he spends a lot of his time. Uh, he's speaking English really well now. He's become very entertaining in English. So, He's Mexican, but he's, he's an American star. You know, he, he did huge ratings on HBO when he was on Showtime. But then, even before he left HBO, it, it got to where they were almost like over-pay-per-viewing his fights. Because when he went off pay-per-view and he fought Kirkland, it got a huge rating, and they got a huge crowd at Minute Maid Park in Houston. So it showed you what he saw the potential to do. But then in his later HBO days, he's fighting Amir Khan, Liam Smith on pay-per-view, Laura on pay-per-view. I mean, these are all not American. These are all not American fighters, and he's fighting these guys on pay-per-view. Um, and then he goes over to the zone. You know, he fought Golovkin, which sold very well. Good fight, sold well on pay-per-view twice. But again, Golovkin's not an American guy, even though those did well. Then he goes on to the zone, 
and liked his own or not, I mean, that's, that might as well have just been invisibility, you know, in the U.S. So he's coming out of that now. And when we saw PBC start in 2015, the idea was having all fighters of different nationalities, but of course, a lot of Americans getting them exposure on network TV like it used to be. I mean, that was Heyman's theme. I liked it. And that was the initial theme. Caleb Plant was one of those first guys. And he did well with his exposure, you know, basically culminating, not wasn't his last, but in terms of doing really well. You know, he fought, was caught the guy on a Sunday night on FS1, not even on regular Fox, and he did about a million. Um, yeah, that's, that's really good for, you know, basic cable sports channel, you know, with what it was competing with. Sunday night's the most watched night in television. But, but so he's been seen, and now he's going to fight Canelo in, you know, a, a big fight on pay-per-view in the U.S. marketed by Showtime, which is, you know, owned by Viacom CBS. So I wanted to see that. I want to see how this does. Uh, I think it's um, intriguing. I think with Plant's development, I'll get to the in the ring in a moment. It's leading right up to it, though, because this is the important part about with Plant. Plant convinced me of his abilities on the way up. He's a guy, and I've seen Canelo and Plant live, in other words, watching the fights as they happen. These are two guys I've seen some of the most of, and I always feel more comfortable about predicting things, of course, when you've had that. But So I've seen Plant basically from the beginning. I was I thought he was too boring at first, too safety first, but then he convinced me of his abilities as he went along. But then I do agree with the critics. After he beat Uskategi, and, you know, when you got the Canelo payday possibly out there, we've seen this with all these guys. All of a sudden, you're not taking a lot of risks. Right. You know, he's fighting Mike Lee. He's fighting Feinian Boots. He's fighting Truax. And they can say alphabets all the while. You're getting groomed at that You know, point. yeah, exactly. And I always kind of hate that when you see a guy like Plant, and we've seen it other times in boxing history, who really shows legit talent gets to a certain point where he's becoming a factor. And like you called it grooming, it's just like they, they just start, they just start thinking about the marketing part, the payday and, and the developmental fights just stop. And that's what happened with him. And now all of a sudden he's in there with the consensus pound for pound best in the world. And that's where he's got troubles is that he just, he's just going into this fight, not because he doesn't have the abilities, but, but just, the experience and the development has just been stopped over the last couple of years. He hasn't taken the next logical step before fighting a guy like Canelo. And now he, he's got to fight him. So it's going to be something where it's like just all natural ability, you know, that's of course been developed over years, but he's going to go with. So what I think is if you watch both of these guys a lot, neither of them throws in volume. The plant, you tend to want to go on the stereotype where he's a fast boxer which he is, and he's very fast, and he's a very good boxer, but he, does, he doesn't throw in combination. I mean, I, that, that's the thing you got to, I think, know about Plant if you watch him a lot. He can hit with the left hook more than people think, and you saw that against Uzkata guy. But he's very cautious, and he throws one shot at a time. So, you know, he, he's not going to be reeling off combinations on Canelo, not just because it's Canelo, but because it's just not what he does. He's going he's gonna to be very defensive and make you miss, and then – He'll whip that left hook, those left hook shots here and there. And, you know, sometimes he hurts people, but then even when he hurts them, if you even look at the guys he was fighting on the way up, he would hurt them bad and he would back off and just box. So, 
he he's not a he's not a finisher. I mean, you know, Canelo and Golovkin have the best chins in boxing, but you know, plan even if he landed one of those left hooks and stung him or something, he, he's just not a finisher. So, you know, does he? Can he? I think he can make Canelo miss. I think he's that good. But what I don't see Plant being able to do is he's not going to be able to do offense and defense at the same time. In other words, I think what's probably going to happen in this fight is he's going to come in there real focused on making Canelo miss. And Canelo's low volume as well. Uh, he, he, he's low, Like you said, he's been doing that, but he, he's just low volume. He's a, he's, he likes to counter. He's low volume. Um, I think Canelo will be the same cautious self but he'll probably throw a little bit more than planned. I, I can see where this is not going to, where this might not be a very exciting fight. Uh, I can see that because I can see plant just being focused on trying to make Canelo miss and Canelo being a little bit cautious, but maybe landing more shots and the harder shots, but, but not really being wild opening up and, and Canelo probably just keep putting rounds in the bank uh, and it'll just keep going on like that. But I, I do think Plant's a good enough guy that I think people are probably missing it. Like, he, I don't think he's going to move like you're thinking, Chris. I just don't think he does that. Like, he, he moves in close with guys, you know. Like, he just he just makes a miss. And he, he can do it. I mean, with the hands down. And I know Canelo is an excellent fighter, but I think Plant might even be quick enough to do that. But I, I don't think he can do it and come back with the offense. I, I just I, I think that's where he's going to have a problem here. And as a lot of people pointed out, he did get a little bit tired late against Uzkata guy, but that was kind of his first big moment. And, of course, it was going to be a big moment too, but I'm not necessarily thinking he's going to have a stamina problem, but I just think he'll have a problem with his one-shot-at-a-time offense while he's trying to make Canelo miss at the same time. But he just he just won't get enough done, and he, he just won't be winning rounds. But I think he's good enough to make Canelo have trouble landing many shots. But I don't think he can put them both together. So I'm I'm just leaning towards this will go the distance, maybe be kind of a cautious fight, but doesn't have the experience, hasn't stepped up his level enough, and he just doesn't have enough to be hitting Canelo with enough firepower and enough shots over the course of, of the fight to be to be winning enough rounds. Um, so that that's kind of kind of where I kind of where I see it going. Um, the odds makers think Plant's going to get KO'd. So uh, yeah, I, I, I always really, say, and a lot of people talking that way too. Yeah, and you know, you can't ignore it. Doesn't mean they're always going to be right, but they're they're always right more than you are. So uh, it doesn't yeah, exactly. mean you can't have your own opinion. And I do. So and I do on this one because I'm confident. You know, you and I both we see a lot of boxing, and that's where you're qualified to have your own opinion. You don't have to back off it, but, but I don't ignore what's out there. And I'm like, man, they think, they think plants getting KO'd. Um, but one thing I think you pointed out that's true too. And we got to say, let's just leave it as you can debate whether that decision's okay or not. So we won't even pass judgment on that, but you and I both agree. It's right on tape. One thing I don't think plants going to do is he's not going to quit like Sanders did. So he might, sure. He might, get stopped but but and i think people are kind of not looking at that they say well sanders is a yeah sanders is a good boxer i i thought that i still think that i don't think just because he lost to canelo i don't i don't say oh he's a bum he can't box but right i do we'll say again we don't even have to pass the judgment but i just got to kind of state the fact the guy quit so i don't think i'm going to say that i mean it doesn't mean plant might not get stopped but i don't i don't think plant's going to quit 
I don't think Plant's going to quit. So, and that is a different element. You know, I, I don't, I don't think he's going to quit. Um, so, I think that, you know, if it starts going wrong for him or something, I don't think he's going to quit. So, you know, it's going to be to me different than Sanders like that. Let's face it, when San, Sanders got adversity, and and again, you, I'm not going to pass judgment tonight. Different subject, but but I think that that's just a fact. He quit. I mean, you saw him go to his corner and quit. So. Uh, I don't think Plant's going to do that, so I think that that's a difference here. And you know, we'll only know that on fight night, of course. But but that's the way I see it. I don't think Plant's going to quit. I think Plant's, you know, all fighters got to be prideful and stuff, and they're competitive, obviously, with what they do. But uh, I, I just I don't I, I'm not reading Plant as a guy that's going to quit here. So, um, but he but he is he's cautious, and and that's the way he fights. You know, Sanders like that too. But when Sanders got hit. You know he quit, and I, I don't think so. We'll we'll just have to see how how that how that plays out. And you, and you kind of did see that when he got in some tough moments against who's caught the guy who is a good puncher late in the fight. You know he he, he battled he battled back. Um, he kept control of the fight. So uh, you know Canelo's a different animal, but uh, I think I think Plant will I think Plant will be in there to win it. But it's going to be a it's going to be a cautious defensive style, and I, I just don't think he can. I don't think he's going to outland Canelo to to be able to get a decision. Right, it's almost got to be um, land two to every one of Canelo's if you're getting that, that that two punch combination. Although we're not necessarily asking him to just open up on him, you know, like all right, dude, just go do something right. you never do. I mean, sure, maybe in parts of rounds and stuff, but not for the whole fight. And I'm glad that you that you brought up a couple of really good things and and I and I do want to make it clear when I say like consistent constant movement I, I think you made a good point you it's not a 10 speed type thing to where you're not landing anything but a pecking jab because that'll he's not going to win the fight period you know maybe he survives sure but you know that that constant movement but you made a good point he's not a guy that's going to move like laterally to the point where it's literally he's moving the whole time almost, like Pauli Malignaggi or, or some other fighters like that. I, right. I think you're exactly right. right. He does kind of uh, depend on his defense as well, but you can pivot. You can, you know, turn his shoulders and move around him. You, can, you know, you can make it difficult to where he's actually got to cut you off. And that that's what I think some of these guys aren't doing anymore. They're They're not making him cut the ring. A lot of you know, we've seen a lot of improvement at Canelo. I'm not taking that away, but we haven't seen him face a guy that's going to box on the outside the whole time. Even Billy Joe Saunders really didn't move all that much. He was kind of stiff. He didn't really move a ton. So um, he was on the outside, and he kind of took the ring right away, actually. But I, that's that's my biggest problem, too. Will he punch in two-punch combinations? A left hook right hand, a jab right hand. And, and, and when he does pot shot and move or jab and move, they have to be significant punches where everybody could see like, ooh, nice shot. And then, ooh, you know, and then make a miss. And, yeah, I'm not – that's where the problem lies. I do think he'll have success in the first six rounds. Any other items uh, before we uh, get you out of here, sir? Just that you – know, that is my concern with Plant. I haven't seen him a lot. I, I just think he, he, is a, he is a pot shot guy. He's got excellent – speed and reflexes, you know, w- without wanting to sound silly here, and I'm not saying he's that, but 
you know, he, he's he's more like a, you know, he's he's kind of like a Roy Jones type guy, you know, where he's like speed, you know, he's going to make these guys miss on, on speed and, you know, speed and reflexes, and he can just be close, kind of close and, and do that. Um, you know, of course, Canelo, again, a different level of fighter, but, but he just doesn't plant, because it, it frustrated me watching him come up, even though he, he proved to me he's good at what he does do, but he just does not punch. He just doesn't punch in combination, and uh, so it would have to be like landing a sharp left hook. I could see him landing a sharp left hook that looks good, but but just one, you know. And and I don't know. I, I think with a fighter as good as sure. Canelo, that that's that's just not quite going to be enough. But I'm, this one I am looking forward to as as like the event. Um, you know, you hate sometimes you know, you got to pay and we're getting a lot of pay-per-views just for kind of the event. But like I said, I, I just think this is a good event for American boxing. So um, I hope it works out good in that sense because of that and, and does well. And maybe we get a surprisingly good fight. I mean, I, it's not impossible, but plant's going to have to kind of be doing it just, just on abilities there because he hasn't, he hasn't built up that, that experience level. Yeah, and, and that's a good point. I, I know a lot of people get excited about the belts and undisputed and all that, and you know, and that's great. I am too. I'm like you said, the offense awesome, but um, you're right. I mean, to be fair, this could be a, a tad bit of a snoozer. It really could be. It wouldn't be the first main event that get built up to be a snoozer. So that that is a good point. The styles may blend to where it's like mm, it was okay. You know what I mean? That is a good point. You, I think. People out there, brace yourself for that because if you give me the top couple of options percentage-wise, you know, how the fight will play out, I would put the most percentage on exactly what you said, John. I really think there's a possibility that it could be a chess match but not played at high speeds, you know. Yes. These guys both both have capabilities of caution and and lower volume, so that's – that's what I'm. That's the part I'm a little bit afraid of. But this is personal for Canelo, so he's going to be trying to knock him out. He already called the round. He's going to knock him out, John. I mean, that is definitely not like Canelo. So we'll see. All right, I appreciate it though. You calling in, taking time out on a, on a Wednesday night, sir. All right, Chris. Thanks for having me as always, and enjoy the uh, fights this weekend. Yeah, you too. Have a good Have a good weekend. Peace. You too. Take care. All right, 508, I'm going to get your take in a half a second. I do think the first six rounds, I, I mean, I kind of feel like, not to say it's going to play out exactly like what Billy Joe Saunders does. And, you know, I understand, you know, he does fight, you know, a different style, obviously, and different stance and everything, right? I mean, he does, he's, you know, and I'll say this, he looked a little slow in that fight. And 168, I never felt like was a great weight for him. His weight and his performances in the last few years are just all over the place. That said, though, I did think he looked good against Murray, but what's that really saying at this age for Murray, right? But with that said, he was in shape for that fight, no doubt about it. And and he did win rounds. I mean, some of us, you know, I love the U.K. fight fans and all that, and the U.K. fighters and and any fan base, really. But, you know, there was some, some people that had, you know, Billy Joe up you know, five to three in that fight. And just five rounds? Come on, dude. Saunders wasn't winning all those rounds. Just because he may have outlanded him in some rounds, some of those rounds he won, some of them he got hit harder, too. And that's what made him lose the round. But 
That's the only thing holding me back from saying this is going to be a competitive fight the whole 12 rounds is exactly what John said, the fact that, yeah, we know he's faded before, but can he, like, just make that somewhat, I say minor uptick in output, only because, yeah, it doesn't have to be three, four punches. And that's how you're going to get hit with something huge if you stay around too much. But constant pivoting, moving, grabbing, clinching quick, turn them, you know, um, make the jab actually count, go to the body. Mix it up, left hook, lead left hook after the jab, you know, whatever. Just just try to punch, at, you know, just more more active throughout the whole fight. And then when I do mean movement, I don't mean the Ali shuffle. I don't mean being on the move the whole time because, like John said, it, that's not his style either. But he is an outside fighter that can make people miss and make people pay. But will it come enough to where he wins rounds and, and, and banks it up. If it's three to three after six, I'm not going to be shocked. I, I, I'm thinking in the four, two range for Canelo, but in the first, whatever it is, four to six rounds, I think, you know, like I said at the beginning of the show, the hand speed, the straight power jab, the, the, you know, he mentioned left, left hooks. I think the overhand right or just straight right hand, he can, he can show a punch landed. And I think against Canelo, you really have to hit him so it's like, ooh, that was a good land. Okay, now he's on the move. Ooh, that was another good land. You know what I mean? He's got to fluster him, frustrate him, whether you're right in front of him, making a miss in, in, in saying something to him to get him pissed off. I don't know. You don't want to spend too much energy trying to get Canelo pissed off, though. You know, you already did that, so it's like, there's no point in expanding it too much. Now, if you're winning the rounds, do you want to maybe, you know, fluster him more? If you're missing and someone's talking to you, yeah, that does start to add up on the conscious, and you get tired. That's another thing. You know, we haven't seen this of late, and I say of late the last chunk of years, where Canelo gets a little gas, takes some rounds off, and then finds a second win. He used to do that all the time. Now, he did that, I'd say, against Danny Jacobs. There was a couple in-between rounds where he's like, you can kind of tell he was just getting a second win. But him as a come-forward fighter has changed. Even though John and I was talking about neither of these guys really like to throw a lot of punches, just in the last two fights, or two out of three fights, Yildrum, whatever, that was just you know not much there. But he, he does come forward and look to clip people now, whereas he wouldn't do that till at least the second half. And he would set it up with the jab, and he'd take his time, and he wasn't trying to get you out of there per se. You know, so I, I've seen, you know, with his reflexes and his defense and his counter punching, I think that's what, you know, we could talk about Caleb, can he counter? He can, but can he counter against a high-level guy that can counter himself, especially if it's like a, you know, you don't want to get caught up in a skills fest in the middle of the ring too much either, where you're just countering each other. Um, unless you're dipping out of there, because Canelo definitely can counter. I mean, he's definitely tightened up his uh, short counters, I guess you could say. So I am picking Canelo. I am picking him by decision. I think it'll be clean, but let me see what the fight looks like. I mean, that's my prediction. But through six rounds, I think Plant's going to win some rounds. And whether it's pot shotting, jabbing, moving, whatever, I just think his style, he has the style – However Kovalev did it, being a little different than how Plant's going to do it, right? Go look at – I mean, Kovalev did good in that fight. 
Now, he's bigger dude. He depends on his jab. He wasn't really the come-forward fighter in that fight as much as he normally is. Um, but Billy Joe Saunders won rounds. I'm not trying to take it all the way back to Arislandi Lara because that happened so long ago. Um, and he has improved since then. But like I said, who has really made him constantly have to cut the ring? Doesn't mean you got to be on your bike in 10-speed and motorbike. But to constantly be on the move, trying to not be a, a you know, a, a target, basically. Um, but, yeah, I got Canelo by decision. All right, let's go up to 508. Thanks for chilling. Let's see what you have to say maybe about, you know, the last weekend, maybe about this fight. What's on your mind, 508? 508, you there, man? Okay. Um I don't, this number doesn't look all that familiar. I'll give you a, a little time here because um, maybe you didn't know I was going to go right to you or you're kind of busy. A lot of people are, you know, doing like errands or shopping, you know, grocery shopping or at the at the gym working out and they listen to the show or, or maybe you're at work or who, I don't know. I'm not totally sure. Maybe you just weren't quite ready. I'll go to you one more time. And, hey. If you don't want to talk, that's cool, too. Sometimes people press one, and then they hang up. If you want to just listen, that's cool, too. I'm not trying to make you talk. All right, 508, what's going on? You're live on Rope-A-Dope. 508, you there? Um, all good. If you um, – if I just not recognize your number, you can text me, by the way, and maybe then I'll know who it is or whatever, but it, it – it, Oh, he died. I wasn't going to force you to talk. You didn't have to do that. <laughs> Anyone else there that uh, wants to press one and talk, that's cool. Sometimes when you get on, you think you have to press one because you hear press one. But when you press one, I think you want to talk. So any, most of the numbers that are on there, I, I, I know there is a 651. That's local. That it doesn't – I don't well, – I think that looks too familiar. Anyway, um, so yeah, I, I do think like this undercard, right? Let, let's talk about the undercard for a second. By the way, Portland, if you want to jump in, let me know. Um, I'm going to text you too. So it, it's up to you. Maybe you're, you know, chilling too. That's cool. Whatever you, whatever you want to do. By the way, for those listening to it in the browser on Blog Talk, um. Six four six three eight one four nine nine zero is the number to call. You got just like that woman said there ninety seconds before the live stream is out. Six four six three eight one four nine nine zero is the n- number to call. Um, Michaela Meyer will be fighting um, on ESPN Plus the night before. Uh, Melendez and Matisse might be a good fight too. Um, I heard somebody tweet or heard, I heard somebody tweet. Well, I guess they could tweet a video, but, uh, someone just tweeted about that, uh, Cortez Bernaldez fight. Um, so there might be some interesting stuff on the, you know, on that undercard. Uh, there's a fight card from London as well. Um, so Elvin, El, Elvis Rodriguez is facing a guy who's, you know, just not all that tested at this point. He did just sign with, with the PBC, so maybe they're just kind of getting them out. We'll see. You know, maybe this, 
you know, this prospect Romero can uh, give them something to think about. Um, you know, I'm always hoping for competitive fights. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, I mean, he's got this unbeaten record and everything like that. And earlier this year, he, uh, earlier this year, he got a pretty good win. It was like in the spring. I can't remember who it was against, but, um, also, the return of Ray Vargas. He's not fighting uh, some kind of killer, but he's been out for a long time. Good to see Ray Vargas back. This uh, Anthony Durrell and Marcos uh, Hernandez fight, I have a, a minor bit of uh, interest in this just because it's it's kind of like where they're at in their career. And I see Carcino on there. I'm about to go to you in just a second, Carcino. Um, it's kind of like a where they at type thing with this fight. Where are they at in their careers? You know what I mean? Darrell has been kind of all over the place. You know, he's, he put up a really good fight, I thought, against Benavidez uh, uh, like two years back. Um, like, pretty damn good, right? Um, the Yildrum fight, you can make an argument that he was down on the cards in that fight, you know? Um, so he's kind of all over the place, really. You, you don't quite no, and then the the his most recent one uh, this year against Davis, you know that was that was a competitive fight. That, that was a draw, actually. Now that I think about it. So right now, you know, on paper, and even you know the betting odds and everything, clearly Anthony Durrell should win this fight. But when you get to this stage of your career, you just don't know what performance is going to come out. And Hernandez is a guy that. Is like a tough cookie. He just scored an upset, not even, I mean, what, two months ago? Something like that over an unbeaten prospect. Um, you know, he, he did get beat um, in, a, in a competitive fight against uh, uh, Fox a little while ago. Um, you know, he got beat by Rosario in a back-and-forth fight that he ended up getting stopped. But he also has a draw with Rosario. So I just think that he... I think it's going to be a good fight. Now, as a co-feature, I'm not going to talk it up like, oh, oh man, this co-feature is going to be bomb, you know, nothing like that. But I think stylistically and because where Darrell's in his career, this could be just a fun fight to watch. You know, undercards, unless you have that just major co-feature where you're like, oh, dude, that's that's money, right? Um, You kind of just hope for competitive fights, you know, and just – entertaining fights because a lot of times that's our best bet that we get unfortunately you know especially when you know when you have a star like canelo going against yeah plant's been on fox and he's gotten some exposure but clearly he's not a, a big name so there's a lot of money tied up on the top of this card clearly so let's just hope that vargas and baez just pops off which i actually think that could be a good fight vargas uh, has been out for a while you know, he's been out for like two years. So he's usually a, a really fundamentally sound, busy, active fighter. But he's not necessarily a guy. He's a weird style to match up with Ray Vargas. So sometimes, you know, maybe, you know, Leonardo can bring something out of him. And maybe just he's rusty and doesn't look as good. We'll see. So I'm hoping that one of these fights that just pop off as a good action fight, it just kind of sets the tone. You know what I mean? But I'm not um, – I'm not anticipating it just because, like I said, there's not that money co-feature or even the, the Wilder Fury 
undercard turned out to be not as great in the ring per se, but on paper it was like interesting matchups and stuff like that. So let's hope for the best. All right, I'm going to go ahead and bring in Carcino into the fold. What's going on, Carcino? How the hell are you, man? Well, I've been all right. I've been hanging in there. You okay? Yeah, just busy as usual. Yep. Busy, busy man. That's that, that's why I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to to talk it up here. Obviously, we could talk about the fight that's going to happen this weekend. Maybe you want to talk about you know Boots Ennis and his highlight reel knockout, Zapata and his, his high, highlight reel knockout. We got some really spirited fights between uh, Butayev and James and Veldez and Martinez and bunch of different just it was kind of one of those low-key uh weekends that actually turned out to you know give us some entertainment what, what do you want to talk about last weekend this weekend it's up to you oh man uh, yeah i didn't get to see that many fights this weekend i saw the Zapata fight against vargas which was hilarious because the, the whole build-up to that was crazy how both corners were going at each other. It was like the old school Puerto Rican Mexican feud. It was uh, it was crazy. Like I yeah, was the just like blown away. You said what? I said that it wasn't a large crowd, but it was loud for what it was, and they were oh, into yeah, it. There's yeah. obviously it was that, like that video of that you crying. Yeah, exactly. Like, everybody from the Bronx bought tickets, you know? <laughs> so it was crazy. And it, it only the fact that it lasted one round, and it was just so incredible because he hit him with a shot that was wide open. Like, he was so open for that shot. And he was just throwing it just because he was open. He didn't know he was going to do all that. <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. I, that was the most stunning result of the night, like, you can hear the air get sucked out of the place when he went down. It was like, <gasps> like, you hear, like, everybody take a breath. And then they've been showing the clips of, like, his, I guess his cousin or brother crying at the end yeah, of the man. Crying, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's being consoled. It was just like, oh, my God. It was, it was unbelievable. And now everybody was like, it's too much too soon, too much too soon. But he talked apart. Like, they were actually going to make the better the underdog in the fight. You know, like, the guy was at home. Everybody's thinking he's the new rising tide. He's doing all this talking. But you see, the guy who was more calm, the guy who was more seasoned, actually won the fight. I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch of that fight because we never really got to see the engagement of it. But down the road, down the road, I think it would be a good battle. It's too soon now, I think. But down the road, I think they can make that happen. This time it'll have much more kill behind it, but... Vargas got to win some fights now. He got to get some fights under his belt. Yeah. He does, because he doesn't even have that many good wins as it is. So he definitely yeah, yeah. should kind of rebuild and uh, get back into it. Because he's a good young fighter. You know, you know, definitely. 
first round knockouts happen. You know what I mean? So that's yeah, that, that gonna happen. That's fight, done. I mm-hmm. did see Boots in this fight. Um, the only thing I I like Boots in this, and everybody thinks he's the next great thing, but I'm like he's never really been tested yet. Sure. And I'm like it's it's kind of hard to gauge him. But I'm like he's he's never really been in an uncomfortable situation. Like he's always been the guy that's in the driver's seat. So when you're that guy that's always in the driver's seat, this seems to be the scenario play out. Because I'm watching it and I'm like, well, he's in control. Is at his pace. It's an opponent that's pretty much tailor made for him. Uh, I like that he. He's kind of, you know, positioned himself in a way where it's like a Floyd Mayweather style and shoulder roll, kind of relaxed. But he's got power. Pretty big. But to me, he hasn't really been tested yet with a lot of different styles. It seems like they're putting him in a showcase fight to make him look good. But when it gets hot, we'll we'll see, you know, where he really is. But it's like a similar situation with a couple other fighters when I was Robert Easter Jr. when he was first coming up. And people thought I was hating on him. Like, you're hating on Robert Easter Jr. I'm like, no, I'm actually not. What I'm doing is I'm pointing out the things that he's doing wrong that people are just ignoring. Like he was telegraphing his punches. And I'm telling people, like, hey, that guy's telegraphing the shots. When you go up against different competition, I'm like, I told him this to his face. <laughs> I'm like, I was right there with Robert E. So I said, Robert, congratulations on your victory. I'm just got to let you know. If you do this with a, another opponent, you're telegraphing your left hook and everything, and you're giving up your height. Uh, another experienced fighter could use that against you, so you got to be careful not to do that. He almost looked at me like, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> and then, and uh, what's his name? Nate was like, no, he, he knows what he, he knows the game. He knows what he's talking about. So we saw that end up being his kryptonite. Once he got into tougher fights, different style of opponent. You still him fall somebody like Fortuna and guys like that who could really make a what should have been a softer night for him, a very hard night for him. He end up taking a lot of hard shots where he really shouldn't be getting hit at all. So for me, it was a no-brainer. It was a complete no-brainer for me uh, watching the Boots. I think Boots is a little bit better. But you don't want to get caught into the staring at the headlights, believing that they're everything just yet until they, you know, fought a couple of more different styles. You know, PBC is good for filling up a fighter with a bunch of, like, air mattresses. (laughs) And then you think they're all this, and then when they get into the real fight game, you know, there's baptism by fire. I don't know. That's just where we are right now. Uh, I, I missed all the other fights. Cause I well, and he was more good. tested, too, than Ennis at this point because he had some tough uh, 
fights uh, even before he got the Mikey Garcia and stuff like that Easter, you know, Shabakov and a couple other hard-ass fights. So he was tested even at an earlier uh, part in his career. Some of that was who he was with. Some of that was uh, also, you know, Boots had that promotional management issue that he's gotten over now. So you're right. We won't know until he gets in there with a higher-level guy and it's probably going to have to come through a mandatory scenario. So he's going to have to keep doing this and then get become a mando to be able to get, you know, because a lot of the guys with belts or right on the cusp of belts are trying to, you know, get the big fight as well. So it'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, a lot of people are already like talking him up like he's hands down the best 147-pounder. I'm like, well, hold on, dude. You know, we, we got to see him at the top level before we, you know, crown them. I don't like crowning fighters before they, you know, that's not to take any way, anything from Boots, because he does look like the real deal in many ways. He gets hit a fair amount, but um, alright, so do you want to talk about this uh, canelo Kayla plant uh, scenario? Can, uh, can can Plant win some rounds in the first six rounds like Billy Joe Saunders and some other fighters Kovalev have? Or, uh, you know, I think that's kind of the focus Absolutely of the first six he rounds. Can. Absolutely he can. So that's the thing that uh, that I was talking about was that, um, in, the, in, that uh, in the beginning when I was talking about the fight is that he's a guy that can win rounds. Like he has the skill to uh, to get things done. Like where he can win rounds, but if he can't hurt Canelo or get Canelo's respect in the ring, it's gonna be a long night for him. Because Canelo, while he's giving up rounds and where people are thinking, well, this is kind of a competitive round, Canelo's actually more inclined to lay out damage. That down the stretch, you're not gonna be able to sustain any longer. So he's going to be sacrificing around just to land a couple of hard body shots to slow you down. And that's the payoff because he's thinking down the road, I'm going to stop this guy in about six, seven, eight. Canelo's never been like, I'm going to knock you out in the first round type of guy. The type of style he is, he wants to see what you're going to bring. And once he feels what you have, then he normally can adjust and make his, uh, you know, adjustments to the fight. Now, the thing with Caleb Plant that we've seen is that he could deal with certain fighters with power. He knows how to say he's not too proud to tie someone up, you know, and say, hey, I got to tie this guy up. I got to get a blow. I got to turn him. I got to use what I can to survive in, in this ring right now. I need to get a couple of blows, you know, before I come back. And he's good at trying to weave out certain shots. But sometimes he he gets uh, a little too fatigued and he gets a little too, like, absent-minded in the ring. And he drops, like, his, he's like he loses track of concentration and he abandons the jab. And that's not going to help you in a fight like this. This is a fight where you're going to have to not forget your jab at all times because you're going to need to keep Canelo off of you because the thing about Canelo that gives him the advantage in this fight is his reflexes. 
He's never faced anybody with reflexes like Canelo, as we saw in the post fight. Canelo, <laughs> he's a counter puncher, and just like, you know, just like Plant, but he also knows how to counter with body shots. Something else Plant hasn't really engaged in. Estadiske, uh, he fights with his chin straight in the air. Uh, a counter shot could put him down. And we saw that before. We saw that in other fights. He got a, a flash knockdown of people throwing shots that they didn't see. But Estadiske actually was coming back into the bout over and over again. Uh, and he just kind of ran out of time. But what we saw was that, hey, there's, there's something here. You know, it's not like this guy, you know, he, he normally gasses out after six rounds. He did get tired, but he fought back. And he came back in those championship rounds and won that fight against the Sadiske. And it showed me that Plant had a lot of heart. There was a lot of heart in him. And he was going to fight tooth and nail to get the job done. He knows what it takes to get it done. And I was proud of him. I was very proud of him because I didn't pick him to win that fight. I didn't think he could. I thought after six rounds, the Sinuskate would just take him down. But he showed me he had a lot of heart and grit. Now I haven't showed really some seen pop him. in those first early rounds too, knocking yeah. him down and stuff. That's something we didn't necessarily think would happen either. No, no, it didn't. But it didn't surprise me because I've seen the Sinuskate get knocked down before, but. Because he's leaving his chin so far high in the air, if you throw a sweeping left hook, you could catch him. You know, he, he won't see it coming, counter shot. Or if you throw a combination and finish with the hook, he won't probably see it. He'll probably pull straight back into it. But, yeah, I didn't see that happening either. But it was surprising, and it was great to see for, uh, for Plant because I didn't think he would be able to do that either in the fight, but Especially it didn't when he dropped him. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, man, he caught him. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, okay, slash knockdown, he'll get up and finish the fight out. But what I saw was just at different paces, I saw a whole different mentality when it came to the approach of Trout. He, I mean, uh, not Trout, but um, Plant. He Plant. definitely oh. wanted to fight more. He wanted that fight more. And I've, since his fight since then, I haven't really seen that much of the same fighter I've seen then. I've seen him win fights, you know, heavily. You know, he won. But I really didn't see him in any too much of danger. He mostly fought fighters that were past their prime, and he could pretty right. much have the advantage. But this is the payoff. This is what he's been working for. This is the biggest fight of his career. Will the lights get too bright for him? Will he be a little too nervous? Um, all of those things are going to come up. If he feels like he's being cornered, you know, Canelo's been here before, so he's going to be a little bit more calm, a little bit more patient. But overall, I don't think he's going to be standing after nine rounds. <laughs> I think this fight is over uh, in about round nine uh, due to the equivalent of punishment he's taking in this fight. So that's the way I see it playing out. I see him definitely just getting taken out of the bout 
completely. And I think the overwhelmness of it, like he's going to get overwhelmed by the pressure Canelo's going to put on everything in the fight. But I'm yeah. interested to see if he can get Canelo's attention because I've seen this guy get exactly. hit by Triple G. I've seen him get hit by Kovalev, and there was no effect really on Canelo whatsoever. So if if he could do it, and plus Canelo's going to be very motivated to beat him <laughs> as much crap as he talks. Oh, yeah. So it's going to be a very interesting fight, but I see Canelo winning by knockout, i say, in probably the eighth round. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, 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 and Michaela, yeah, that's, uh, yep, she were on Friday. Right, I'm going to try to catch her fight Friday. I like the way she boxes. Yeah, she's now, got I gotta, skills, no doubt about that. Oh, yeah, so I'm definitely rooting for her. So um, I want to see how far this uh, this whole thing plays out when it's all said and done. But, yeah. Right now I'm, like, in the so, middle of – So maybe the first first chunk of the fight plant will have some success, but it'll just be – just it'll be short-lived. I think so. I think he'll have his opportunities also in, like, the middle round. I think when Canelo, like, because a lot of people think he's just going to breeze through Canelo early, uh, I don't see that exactly. I see a a competitive couple of rounds. But I think the middle rounds is where he would have more success because Canelo seems to take the foot off the gas himself and, like, pace it during the middle rounds depending on how the fight is going. So if he does that, then he has a great opportunity. But I'm just not convinced that, you know, Plant can continue with a game plan all the way through. He normally fades mentally and forgets and abandons his jab. He has a great jab when he uses it. And it's, it's, to me, it's just baffling when he lets it go and he'll just be in there not throwing any punches. And it's just the most frustrating thing to watch a fighter not throw any punches when another fighter is not even throwing anything back. It's like... Why aren't you punching? It just it makes no sense. I'm like, just yeah. get a jab out there. And yeah, you got to score as much points as you can against Canelo, too, on the scorecards. You know, you got to score points. Definitely. And Canelo's going to bait him in with feints and try to use his reflexes a lot because he's very athletic. And... That, I thought it would slow him down a little bit when he went to the higher weights. But he seems to still have maintained that speed. His muscle reactions, you know, and his quickness has always been his key to his success. But um, fighting another guy with reflexes, like Plant has good technique. He has some good, very good technique on him, and that could save him. Like, he doesn't get hit with a lot of damaging punches. Often is only when right. he makes mistakes, and when he's falling asleep in the ring, and he gets caught with something, and he gets buzzed. But he normally fights back. You know, tough kid, man. I was like, that that guy's tough. 
So I, I gave him a lot of credit early on, but, you know, we're going to see, you know, how he, you know, deals. You know, I just hope he, has, he puts on a good showing for himself. Yeah. So do I. Yep. I don't want him to get, like, blitzed. I was like, man, I don't think this guy's going to get chilling for himself, you know? Yep. So, and if Canelo yeah. pulls a knife, you know, Plant's ready for that scenario, you know? We've seen it on film. He's ready for that scenario if Canelo pulls a knife, just like that one dude did on him in that street fight. Um, so ninth round knockout. Yeah, I'm going ninth round stoppage. All right. Nice Any job. other? I know you're a busy guy. Any other items you want to talk about uh, before you take off, sir? Um, I mean, uh, we got so some weeks before Crawford and Porter, but um, mm. yeah, I'm we got. Yeah, oh, definitely. That is definitely a fight I'm interested in seeing, but I'm also interested in. Um, looking at all of the different bouts and how they are listed and what's going to happen down the road with Uslick and Fury, but mostly Errol Spence Jr. Where is he going to go after this, you know, after the eye surgery and all of the other things that's happened to him? You know, I don't know where he's going to end up. And then now you have uh, Zepeda's calling out Josh Taylor, when Josh Taylor really shouldn't be fighting um, Javante St. David. You know, that fight should be taking place at uh, Super Light. I just don't understand why it's taking all of this time to make these fights when they're right there. Like, let's make the fight happen. Like, I was never, they're talking about pulling Roley over these sexual misconduct uh, claims that people are talking about, like, oh, it's these sexual misconduct claims and we got to take these seriously and now it might pull the fight. Some woman is claiming that there's other women involved and and they're going to be some type of investigation. There is a police investigation that's been active. Um, Right now, we know of five women that have come forward. Now, it's alleged, so... We can't sit there and blame Roley for something that we don't know what the hell, you know, it is. We also yeah, yeah, can't we're call not blaming Roley. Right, we're not blaming Roley at all. I'm just saying uh, this is what's going oh, on, yeah, yeah. you know, these, sure, these right. claims have come up. And now it seems like uh, they, I don't think they've made an announcement yet officially that the fight is like They have. I, yep, Isaac Cruz is out. And we did get information that there is, I can't remember the, uh, hold on, I got the information right here. There is an active investigation. I can't remember what city it was. The Henderson Police Department um, has confirmed that there is an open investigation on it. Okay, but no, what I was saying is that, um, not the investigation, that the fight is called and then pulled. It is called too, yes. They just announced today. He's off it officially. Okay. All right. So they did make the announcement today. All right. So now that it's officially pulled, the thing is, is that this fight shouldn't have been made in the first place. And that was my main objection to everything is that you want somebody to pay $80 to see Roley fight Tank. (laughs) 
that's what you're going to try to pull on the general public? Yeah, I didn't like that I on mean. pay-per-view. No, you want to put like that in the normal showtime? That's fine. Normal showtime, great, whatever. But yeah, I agree. I agree. If Tank is a pound for pound fighter, he needs to fight people in his weight class. You know, he needs to fight guys that are real in his division. So I'm like, all right, you beat the guy that you were supposed to beat, who really wasn't the champion. But it was a tough fight for you, you know, for a little bit. He had some moments, but he was not. You really showed your heart in that fight. But Josh Taylor is the fight. You know, um, that was a good bout for you. It gave you some credibility because you've been known to fight lesser, smaller guys and beat on them. Now you're getting up to the point where you're fighting some guys that, that got some size to them. And, uh, you know, it was just time for him to move up. But if you want to be the best, the best is Josh Taylor at that division. So you have to fight Josh Taylor. He is the champion. So if no one beats Josh Taylor, then, you know, it is what it is. You know, and so Josh Taylor is being called out by uh, Zepeda. Zepeda wants that fight with Josh Taylor and making that fight. But my thing is, why isn't Tank calling out Josh Taylor? That's one, thing I'll say about, one thing I'll say about uh, right now, as far as making the fight, I, I agree with your point. Um, or just fight at 135 and, and be there and fight, you know, top dudes or whatever, wh- whichever. But uh, Taylor actually right now, as far as making the fight right now, he had a scheduled fight against his uh, against his mandatory, but he got injured, so he's going to be out for a little bit. Just just a heads up on Taylor. Oh, okay. So I guess that gives him an excuse. Well, he was already fighting somebody who scheduled the fight in December or November because he had that. That was the one thing about fighting Ramirez. Whoever won that fight has to take on Catterall, I think his name is. Just, I mean, you don't have to. You can just drop the belt, technically. But that—that's what the plan was after, as far as uh, contractually to keep the. I think it was the IBF. I don't know. One of those sanctions. But either way, there's plenty of guys at 35. Uh, you know, it's funny because we have these matchups at 35, and they're not necessarily the ones we want. Besides, you could say JoJo Diaz and Haney. So we have like. Four fights happening at 135, and you just hope this is like the quarterfinal, you know? It's like, all right, now the next one, and the next one, and the next one, you know? And that that's what we definitely need from these guys at, at Lightweight, man. I, I'm, I'm on board. I agree. I agree. We, we need to get these fights made because then we can start to separate. And then these names, you know, Tank is obviously can sell tickets, but that's how you build your name as well, the legit opponent, not just uh, a stylistically fun fight or, or something like that. It has to be a combination of both. No, I'm looking more at, um, like, what's his name, uh, Oscar Valdez, you know, him fighting um, Shakira Stevenson, that fight, you know, I feel that should be made now. 
That yep. could be a good fight for Stevenson on his resume to get some of these top guys fighting. Like, we need to get some of these division champions fighting, you know. Like, it's time to get it going. And the Charco brothers, you know, uh, Roman Gonzalez, I remember uh, him fighting. But the Charlo brothers, like, what's going on there? You know, it's 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 like we don't know what's going on. Jamel or Jamal, who's fighting who? Just, well, Mel is fight. coming off an undisputed fight, though, so I don't think we should give him too much stick. No, no, I'm, not him I'm not giving him flag. I know he got the rematch supposedly coming that, that I think he'll but win Jamal. the rematch. Yeah, Jamal is the one I'm really Jamal needs a big Montiel. fight. You know, Whether it's Andre or Golovkin, he needs a big fight. Yeah, he fought Montiel, I think, in June, and he went tooth and nail with Montiel. Um... You know, the Dervinchenko fight is the only fight I really gave him credit for. Uh, he knocked out the small Dennis Hogan, you know, and then he fought Brandon Adams and people like that. But he hasn't really fought anybody at middleweight. And it's not been because he didn't get called out. I mean, when they made the offer to him to fight Canelo Alvarez before they fought Danny Jacobs, he can't talk anymore. Because they made money. It was the biggest money he would have ever seen and still hasn't seen yet in a prize fight. Had he accepted the fight to fight Canelo. And that has been confirmed, that they offered him the fight, and his team turned it down. Al Heyman did not take that fight. So they they knew that Al Heyman wouldn't do that because it's a smart thing if you're Al. Because if you put Jamal in there with Canelo, Canelo's going to destroy him. Now he's worth nothing. So, <laughs> so he made some money, but now he's worth nothing. But let's say, okay, well, maybe he would have looked good. No. You know, I'm just saying, like, okay, he probably would have hurt Canelo. Maybe would he had? I doubt it. I think Canelo would have walked through him. And that would have been very bad for you know, the PBC camp. They don't fare too well when they go outside their PBC bubble. You know, most of those fighters don't, you know, make it too far. And you well, like, it matters Man. what division we're talking about, which bubble, too, because sometimes they have all the best fights. So, yeah, from division to division, is different. Yeah, you're right about that. Because at 147, they wanted to buy out the division, and that's why Terrence Crawford had to fight guys mostly overseas or some of the other fighters, they've been protecting them. You know, trying to keep them away from Terrence so Terrence would leave top rank and be independent so they can control the majority of the money and how everything would be played out. But Terrence Crawford don't want to go into a fight like that unprotected against the Errol Spence, a guy who they want to make the best guy because they already got him. Now, Errol, his future right now, he's recovering from that surgery. We don't know where he's going to be at in his career. So the biggest question mark in the world is over him. Like, I don't know where he's going to end up. He's lost about a year. Ever since his Sean Porter win and the accident, he's lost so much momentum that people have almost forgotten about it. 
like Triple G. Like people totally forgotten about Danani Golovkin. After he'd been lost twice to Canelo, there was some interest there, and that Dervinchenko fight just, you know, he's basically been. Well, put he's on been the chilling too. At least uh, Spence has two major things that went on, so you can at least explain it. Whereas the Golovkin thing is a big head scratcher. Not really though, because they overpaid him and they didn't want to all of a sudden pay him to fight average guys. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. We'll we'll see where he's at. No doubt about it. Any other other items, sir? Yep, the X factor in the entire division. Uga. Now, Ugas, he's the X factor in the division because he's the guy that felt like he's been robbed uh, his entire career. He doesn't believe he lost to Amir Amman by decision when he was in L.A., and that really fueled him. He went on a total tear since then. And then he fought Sean Porter, and he lost a split decision, a fight that he thought he won, and I thought he won also. And Super close fight, yes. Yeah. But uh, he got robbed out of a knockdown, and that cost him the fight. And he's been on a tear since. And the Manny Pacquiao fight, just really just for the first time, people got to see him on a world stage. And he ended up being the last opponent of Manny Pacquiao's career so far. And that's just how it is right now. He's an actual player in the game. So they got to take him seriously. So now, if Terrence Crawford defeats Porter, Ugas becomes like the mandatory. It's, It's totally weird how this happens, but Terrence Crawford has to fight all these tough guys and Arrow gets to escape through the back door and wait for everybody else to beat each other up, and then he's waiting in the wings. It's like, whoa, this is crazy, because Arrow should have fought Ugas, but he went with the money fight with Mikey Garcia. I mean, with Danny Garcia, and Danny Garcia was not in any way, shape, or form supposed to get any shot at uh, Errol Spence. That was never supposed to happen. But it was a money fight. I didn't agree with it, but others did. And they made a little money off of it, but Danny is a guy that cannot fight big welterweights. He's a small 140 and not a 147 foot. I don't know if he's escaping the fight, though. I mean, he had, he already had a fight date signed, either Ugas or Pacquiao. He took Pacquiao, and then this in February, Ugas even said he had a contract to sign. He, had, he signed a contract to fight Spence for February. That's Ugas' work. All right, hold on one second. Uh, yeah, there is some back. Uh, there's something, uh, some sort of reverb or something. Yeah, I was like, whoa. It just started. It hasn't been going the whole no. time. Well, I could. The thing is, is that they went right ahead when the fight was over to announce the Mikey Garcia fight immediately 
Like, they were doing not the Mikey, but the Danny Garcia fight after the after the right, uh, the Porter. Porter fight. It was supposed to be in January. Yeah, right. Yep. That yeah. Was, so yep. they were already right. had plans of doing a skip to my loop and then go on the money fight with Pacquiao. <laughs> right. So when they decided to so take you think, that route. So you think Spence is afraid to fight Uga? Uh, I don't think he's afraid. I think the team is afraid. Or, or yeah, the team. Okay, yeah, yeah. Not him, but yeah. That's a fight that's risky for Arrow. Arrow could win it, but it'll be a tough win. And, and then it's a fight he might not look that good in. This is a big 154 size welterweight, just like him. He doesn't fare well. This is a guy that started off at 54, and he was getting rocked, and they had to put him down at 47. So they know what they're doing. They kept Arrow fighting these little 130, 140 fighters for a reason. So Kel Brook is a little 140 pounder? That was the champion. He had no choice. Kell Brooker just came off of fighting at 160 pounds to fight Ganani Golovkin and coming off a broken eye. Right, well, <laughs> yeah, it's true. What about Porter? You, you look at him as a small welterweight? No, Porter is the guy who's tailor-made for Arrow. <laughs> this is the guy he's supposed to beat up because this guy just comes straight ahead, throwing punches. So this is tailor-made for Arrow. At this point, but they built his career up fighting Mikey Garcia's and all these little bitty guys. That's his whole career. That's why they moved him from 54. He was getting his bell rung. It was ring my bell time. And they were like, whoa, we're going to end up winning this <laughs> star guy here. We can't have that. So they said, okay, this is what we're going to do. Let's keep him at 147. Keep him fighting small guys. And we should be able to escape. So that's what they did. That was the Arrow Spence plan. And then by the time he fights a real big guy his size, he should be comfortable at this weight. But we didn't get there. So this is what it was at one forty. One fifty four. Yep, and one fifty four, they were ringing his bell. <laughs> he was ringing his bell. I love that you can pop that up on YouTube quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, once you said it, I was like, search. <laughs> right. I mean, there was nobody of any stature on his record until he fought Kelbrook. I mean, big Chris Algieri. I mean, he had fought Phil LaGreco at the time, I think. And that was about it. If you remember anybody that he fought after that, after, after he won the title, there was Peterson. I remember he fought Lamont Peterson, who was a shell of himself at that time. And then he fought, <laughs> I don't know where they found this guy. Yeah, that dumbass mandatory. It's the IBF mandatory, dude. You can barely ever trust him. This guy was 22-0, and 0, I think, and he was, like, undefeated. And I'm like, who is this guy? 
He's 22 and all. I'm like, I've never heard of this guy. Man, we might have a fight here. Oh, oh boy. This was a big... I don't think... I got to admit, I don't think that his people are are having him duck Ugas because they literally sent him a contract to sign. So to me, I can't call that his people want to duck when they they sent a contract to Ugas and he signed. I'm, I'm not sure if it's they're ducking them. You know what I mean? I am. 100%. <laughs> I love that. Well, just yeah, you I know. I know. Right. Yeah, right. Just because you send somebody a contract don't mean that you want to fight them. It depends on what's I mean, in that contract. I mean, it's a step in the right direction, though. They had a date for it. They had a date for it and everything. This is Ugas' words. Mm-hmm. Then what happened? Well, Why the fight didn't take place? Because they put in the damn they already called the damn uh, tournament for Ugas, the Stanonius, and uh, actually Butiev, which would be a good fight. But I, I think he should just drop the belt and just go for it. I know that sucks for Ugas, but if the WBA is going to be like this, I just drop it. It's easy for me to say that though, but I don't know. But then maybe that, you know, maybe that fight wouldn't happen. Either way, though, we don't have a whole lot of time left here. We do want to get Portland in. Any other items that you'd like to speak upon, sir? Oh, no, that was it. So I just wanted to bring that up. I'm going to let everybody get on. I'm really pumped for that Crawford Porter, man. I think that's yeah, a good yeah, fight. Crawford fight. really gets to – Crawford can really send a message with this fight. Yeah, he can. I mean, because now he's going to shut up a lot of people, especially if, if he does a better job than Errol, then there's nothing they'll be able to say. And Thurman, that's the thing. Porter, Porter spots so many guys that the measuring stick's not just on Spence either. It's on Thurman. It's on Brooke. Like, he can really send the message in general. And nobody's going to say Porter's out of his prime. You know what I mean? I mean, some people will. But, you know, on average, we all know Porter's in shape. He's ready to go. I'm really excited yep. about it. All right, man. Enjoy all the right, fight thanks, this man. weekend. We'll talk to you guys. next week. All right, man. Take all it easy. All right. Take it easy. All right. All righty. I'm going to go out to uh, Portland, 503. Make sure he's ready. Yep, it looks like it. He texted me. Um, all righty. Um, it looks like time. Oh, hold on. Let me reset my damn page here. By the way, um, let me just refresh something. I'll let you close the show either way. There was there was some from Salvador uh, Rodriguez uh, from ESPN Deportes. Um, you know, we know about Zapata and and Josue uh, before the fight, Vargas. You know, but after, you know, there there was some issues too. Zapata and their team were were coming back, and there were some family members were attacked by some followers of Josue, a uh, Jose, I should say, Ho, yeah, Josue. Um, now, when you say follow, you know, we got to keep that in mind because some people were saying, well. Zapata's brother got suspended by the commission. Um, 
and a, a handful of people were asking, well, what about, you know, what about the Potis family and team members after they got, you know, Vargas should be suspended immediately by the commission, but we don't know for a fact that that was men- members of his team or him, right? I mean, you know, the report was that it was other people um, and followers, supporters. So you can't you can't really sit there and be like, oh, you get suspended for, because of fan base, you know what I mean? Because of your fan base. And to me, that's kind of kind of weird. Um, so it shouldn't be long here, uh, 503. Uh, I just kind of rebooted out of it and going back in now. Um, like I mentioned earlier, Haney and Diaz is official for December 4th. That's a really, really good fight um, at the MGM. This is what Rowley said, by the way. He said, although the allegations against me are totally false, and I will prove that through legal through the legal system, I agree that it's the best interest of everyone involved that I not participate in the upcoming pay-per-view event. After clearing my name, I will return it to the ring as is. Uh, and by the way, Uskanagi, we were talking about him earlier, he tested positive for a banned substance. I don't know if we talked about that last week. Um, but shouts out to uh, Chiron Davis for taking that fight. Um, that's really dope. So, uh, you know, at least the, the show goes on. Benavidez gets a fight, so he's not just, you know, getting, barely getting, like, just a camp in, and that's it. Also, Jose Ramirez, this is Coppinger. Jose Ramirez and Jose Pedraza have agreed to terms for a 140-pound, uh, or a 140 fight, um, February 5th. That's a good fight coming off a loss, uh, for Ramirez, no doubt about it. Um, someone just sent it sent this to me. Devin Haney and Diaz on DAZN pay-per-view. DAZN announces first pay-per-view event will be in December. I I haven't heard that. I don't know what you're talking about there. Lomachenko and Kome is going to be the night of the Heisman. We know that. Uh, that'll start after that, so that's that's always a, a, a pretty good night, especially, you know, obviously to uh, go on, you know, on your side. There was um you know, to get that big bump from the from the ratings. There was some talk about, we've talked about this before, that DAZN is going to buy BT Sports. And there was a, there was an article about it, but I'm not, that didn't finalize it. You know what I mean? I don't really know if it's 100% factual. On IFL TV, though, Frank Warren said, we have an exclusive agreement for all boxing on BT Sport. If it were the case, that's for them to sort out. Like, if that's where it was the case that they're buying it. My contract, if anyone tries to interfere with it, uh, there'll be a big problem. Um, but, you know, if they're both on the same platform, that would be dope. Um, I think that'd be great. Um, what else we got for news? I think there's one more news item. Oh, yeah. Actually, um, Canelo was talking about Ryan Garcia and how he, he still needs to dedicate himself a little bit more. These were quotes from theboxingscene.com. He says, look, Ryan has a lot of talent, but to me, in my eyes, he's wasting a lot of time wasting his talent. I look at him and don't see him 100% dedicated to us. That's a bad signal. We always remind him as a team to come into the gym to train and to learn because you need to be in the gym. You're learning day-to-day 
at the very minimum five times a year, you know, fighting five times a year. When I was beginning my career, I did 15 fights in one year, but that, that's a little different, obviously, especially the level he was at, um, and he was 15. <laughs> uh, that's where I was in the beginning, so it definitely – I think he's meaning, you know, between camps to get in there and train and keep training. Uh, but he said, you know, we're in support of him. We hope he gets back soon, and, and you know, it's just it – just, it's criticism, but it's not, you know, over the top. He's just being, you know, constructive criticism. Criticism is what it is. Um, here's some boxing Twitter. Someone actually sent me this. I saw this today. Uh, there's this picture of of Caleb Plant, right? And he's got this trucker-style hat on. And here's Glazer. This dude's a degenerate. When it comes to boxing, anyway. Um, here's a white guy, Caleb Plant, that supposedly identifies with black, which is just weird to say, supposedly identifies with black. Uh, black people, or what do you mean? You know, just identifies with black. And he said, that's cool, but he's wearing a trucker-style ball cap, not an urban-style ball cap, with his name on it. Phony bastard Plant going to get disowned after Saturday night plants Canelo cannon fodder. And it's like, okay, dude, you can just say I don't like his hat or he's going to get beat. It's really weird. Um, someone says they're mad. Oh, this is art, man. They're mad. We think a much bigger, faster, skillful, undefeated American champion can beat Canelo. Check Canelo record for beating undefeated Americans. I mean, Undefeated Americans. Okay, so how many he fought? What Mayweather as an undefeated American? Um, Danny Jacobs, Austin Trout as he was undefeated, wasn't he? Um, American, not fighting in America. Obviously, you know Floyd, but you can't put Plant and Floyd together. Okay, it looks like it's tough. By the way, I was just going over that. Okay, um, oh, here's another one. Oh, I actually saw this one, too. Is it too soon to say Ennis is trending on becoming an all-time great? Was a, uh, shout out to Lukey, but I gotta, I gotta say on this one, is it too soon to say he's trending to becoming an all-time great? I think you gotta take care of the division first before you can even talk about that. Um, there's another one. Uh, uh, Boots team already playing get your name up when they call them out. I hope that was just for the cameras because it's a damn shame to claim you're being avoided until a fighter walking up on you to get your name up. And that happens a lot in boxing, if we're being honest. Not sure they'd pull an A-side out of this fight, though. Not sure they would have pulled Tank, the guy generating pay-per-views in the gate. Uh, would Canelo have been pulled? I'm not sure. Just thinking, and that was a raging babe. Yeah, that's a good point. I mentioned that earlier. All right. It looks like it's up and go. We're going to let you have these last handful of minutes here. All right, 503, take it away, my brother. Five oh three, you there? <laughs> El acero apretado y el rigor 
Hey, yo, what up, what up, what up, Chris? Hey, yo, I'm doing good uh, here in cold, rainy Oregon, man. Um, you know, uh, hell of a weekend of fights, but how you doing, Chris? How's everything, brother? I'm doing good, man. The switchboard was acting up. It wouldn't let me unmute you, but I'm doing good. I'm pumped oh. for the fight this weekend. Hell yeah, brother. And uh, let's get about it, uh, man. Let's talk uh, boxing um, this last weekend. What can I say? Uh if I could say one real quick thing, man, I thought last week, I thought, you know, uh, we had a battle of uh, two Mexicans, but, man, I didn't know uh, leading in here was a Mexican versus Puerto Rican war. So, uh, you know, and also uh, uh, <laughs> I thought I picked Jose just on the name. Jose didn't get it done. Um, Zepeda, look, what can I say, got it done with one shot or a few shots after that and uh, completely annihilated him. So in the first round, what can I say, man, Zepeda looked good. Um, I, you know, I would love for him to get that uh, Josh T- Taylor fight now uh, coming up after looking after having that kind of win. Um, it it only looks only looks good on him, you know. So, but man, what a first uh, what a first round knockout and uh, and 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 uh, also too, man, what a crazy meme or a crazy gift or whatever they're called uh, now that uh, about the brother now, you know what I mean? Uh, him crying yeah. and shit. So I thought that was pretty funny. You know, I saw that shit everywhere for every situation. Uh, Whatever you that situation you have, put it on there. So I thought it was pretty funny, man. And uh, but man, um, yeah, that so that uh, that was a good fight for that main event. And let's get into the uh, Showtime um, uh, Boots. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, Boots uh, Delorme. What can I say? Boots got it done in the first round as well. Um, you know, I like this guy. Uh, he uh, uh, he he definitely was flashy. Um, he uh, showed a little whatever he you know the little bit that he showed it was. It was good. He got. He was able to stop him, and uh, you know, made some. Thomas Delorme just looked. You know, uh, you know, just looked him. Uh, made him look really bad. And um, you know, uh, you know, it's funny now too, man. You know, with the with uh, I could just uh, with uh, you know African American fighters, man. They're the first ones to always get like the oh he's the second coming or you know he gets so much praise after one fight like this. And uh, you know, it's like it just seems to me. You know, he still got a lot to to prove, in, uh, you know, in fights. Uh, th- this is good, you know, leading up. Uh, he's got two good wins, Lipinets and uh, Thomas Delarme. Uh, so it's looking good for the kids. So, uh, you know, but, um, but yeah, don't, don't like, I just, I just heard, I just saw so many media outlets saying that he could beat, like, anybody at 47 right now. And uh, it just, you know, everybody needs to calm it down a little bit after, you know, uh, even though he did good in the first round, you know. And, uh, you know, and also um, uh, Jamal James and uh, uh, Boutiev, uh, you know, this was a good fight. Uh, it was a good, uh, pretty, uh, pretty good, solid inside fight. Jamal James seemed to have a little bit of trouble uh, with uh, Butiev uh, with his pressure. Uh, I saw, man. I just, uh, man, it's sad for James, man. I, I just felt like he couldn't keep him off of him. Uh, and 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 also too, man. I had a problem with the with the stoppage, with the ref stoppage. I just, you know, Jamal James didn't see the canvas again. I'm, I'm complaining a little bit more because I'm just bit where uh these fights are kind of uh getting stopped like this and no one you know in, in all honesty man i want to see some you know blood and gut kind of shape go down like you know you're kind of stealing uh these referees in these moments right are these stoppages are, are stopping um are, are stopping these uh fighters from uh reaching like a historic uh, level like 
You know, like, come on, man. Like, I want to see, like, a back-and-forth fight like uh, Diego Corrales and uh, Jose uh, Luis Castillo. Like, man, I want to see those kind of fights. You know, like, if you, you know, those kind of fights, that you know, hopefully they still come up. And, you know, um, but, yeah, man, I, I just felt like that to stop it just a little too early, even though it just seemed like Jamal James couldn't get him uh, to even really hurt him. Uh, but I just felt like, man, you should have gave him a, a chance to – uh, to really dig dig deep and, and try to get a win, um, you know, because there were still a few rounds left. So, you know, just uh, but th- uh, about that. And also, too, man, um, you know, the, everybody's saying they want uh, Boots to fight these top fights now. And, uh, you know, uh, after this, uh, after both men, uh, Boutiev and uh, Boots winning, man, this is, the, uh, in my honest opinion, this is what I want. Uh, this seems to be good. I would love to see what Boots could do with pressure. Uh with this guy coming at him, just at, just like he did James, um, I would like I would just like to see this fight uh, for uh, for both men uh, coming up, you know, uh, and to see who uh, you know who's uh, who who's O has to go. So uh, I would like that. And also, um, uh, let me just mention real flat, uh, real fast. Uh, I know this is blasphemy talk. Clarissa Shields got her first loss in MMA. Uh, you know that's an MMA. So you know, I mean, also too, man. If I could just say something about that, I just felt like she lost the unanimous decision. I just don't. I don't know how she got a split decision. Um, uh, that's just my take. Uh, but you know, she moves on. Um, well, hopefully we. You know, she does come back in boxing in December, I believe. So you know, we'll catch her there. Uh, but you know, We're running uh, out of time. I don't want you to get cut off. All right. Who do you think Canelo is right, playing? How do you see the fight breaking oh, down? Oh, here we go. Yeah. Yes, brother. And, uh, yeah, also we got the the big main event, the big enchilada this weekend, Canelo versus Plant. What can I say? I got, you know, this is a dangerous uh, fight for Plant. Um, I got my prediction is eighth-round knockout by Canelo. Uh, I just don't see him uh, standing or be, being able to handle the pressure, the power. I think the the body shots will break him. The counter shots will break him. The the speed. I, I believe the, uh, the 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 big event lore. The the crowd. The he'll probably make him wait for a super uh, entrance again. You know the Mexico Lindo plane. Uh, you know uh, a ten minute entrance. You know so there's a lot of shit going on. And plus he's got more media to deal with this time. So um, I just feel like maybe all of that. All the it's just it's too much. It's uh, too overwhelming for uh, for Plant. And I just don't see him lasting too uh, too much into this fight. He is he is a heavy underdog, and I believe so. I just don't see him winning this one. And Canelo will get up, and uh, he will he will he will have his raise uh, his hand raised and be the new undisputed champion at 168 pounds and move on. Um, and uh, yeah, so but uh, man, what can I say about that fight? I'm just excited. You know, Chris, uh, let's let's do it, man. Let's let, let's put something in the air. I'm gonna be the. Uh, 